You're listening to the Straight Shooting Radio Show on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the hosts of the show, Jason Selms and Mario Vladko. All right, welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me in Straight Shooting Podcast uh, here. And I've actually, for the first time, we've actually got uh, four people. We've got uh, Mario, Justin, and Sean from the uh, Sydney Militias joining us here today. How are you going, gentlemen? Very good, thank you. Yes, g'day, Jason. Welcome back, everyone, to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Oh, hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. It's all right. It's been an orky, orky um Sean just knew, so he's got to you know, figure out what the etiquette is. He's not, not 100%, so that, but he'll learn pretty quickly. Happens quickly. What's been happening, guys? Anyone been doing anything exciting? Actually, well, mm. Sean's here first, so we'll probably just address him first because it's the easiest thing to do. Mate, for, I guess for the listeners, I know you're on Facebook under the Sydney Militia. You live in Sydney. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about, I guess, you know, what, what do you like, hunting, shooting, fishing? Give us a bit of background about Sean. Um, just a ordinary guy. Um, I don't know. I saw uh, a need for, for more pro-gun voices online, and I saw what Mario and you guys were doing, and I thought I'd just start the, the Sydney Militia. It's only been going for about um, two years, and uh, it's, been, it's going pretty good at the moment, uh, I think. Mm. And you're a Cat D license holder. You do feral pest shooting. You just did some uh, deer yeah. work. Don't say exactly where, but down yeah, south, yeah, you yeah, did yeah. some deer contracts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I've had the uh, the cat D since November two thousand fifteen, and it's only really been picking up since the beginning of this year because it took me like a year and a half to uh, to get everything imported, and I had a big problem with uh, getting my magazines uh, imported into the country as well too. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of issues with that. I guess working with the Attorney General, how yeah. long it takes to get firearms imported into the country. It does take a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, my main problem was I with the magazines, I put the wrong address on there. I didn't realise at the time. So it was my own <laughs> fault. I, I screwed up. Yeah. But they, uh, they, they took me over the coals. And I tried to complain to a lot of different places, but um, I think this is part of the reason why we need like a, a firearms ombudsman in, uh, yep. I guess, New South Wales, you know. You could have gone down to Sylvania Post Office and picked some up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Helped you out. A couple of Glock handguns, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else has been happening? You guys, I had Justin? two weeks in New Zealand on a, a family holiday. Didn't do any shooting or hunting, but saw a lot of the South Island, and it is a beautiful place. And I did manage to play with some Cat C&D firearms at Gun, at Gun City. That was fantastic. I was drooling nice. all over the counter. And uh, the, yeah, I went in there and said, "Look, I'm I'm a tourist from Australia," and they looked at me as if I was, you know, the the redheaded stepchild who'd been beaten. They were so <laughs> they felt so sorry for me. So well, come in be, here, they'd be right, wouldn't they? Oh or? yeah, he, you know, pl- play with. Here's an AR-15 with a built-in suppressor, uh, and then there was a PS90 built-in suppressor. It's just racks of Cat C and Cat D guns. It was just beautiful. Unbelievable, Mars. What are you What have you been up to? Well, mate, I've been busy making my family bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my wife and I have had uh, another child, which is great, fantastic, very happy. Um, I did mention that last time, I think. I can't remember. but um, Anyway, it's been a really hectic time for me and uh, busy, busy, busy with the family. I haven't had really much time to go to range or shooting or anything. Not as, not as exciting as you guys anyway. Um, and uh, essentially just been uh, keeping an eye on the news, which, what's going on around the world uh, in regards to Trump. And all things uh, to do with Trump and um, gun laws, and all things to do with uh, gun legislation here in this in this country. It's been a very, very, very long time, Jason, since we've uh, recorded uh, another podcast. So, 
and it just shows how busy we are. We are, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're so struggling. much has happened. So much has happened, but all of a sudden, you know, we're struggling to just get two of us together. Now we've got four of us. <laughs> yeah. Now we've got to compete with four opinions. This is going to be crazy. That means yeah, we'll, we'll see how Sean can goes. shut up throughout the show. No. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I went on a hunting trip, mm. uh, which was pretty exciting. Oh, no, it's a while ago now. What? Probably about six, seven weeks ago. I got other deer, which is awesome. So I'm yeah. excited congratulations. About that. And, um, but it was funny because throughout that trip, it was interesting because uh, I missed a deer at about 50 metres. You know, after you shoot your first deer, you think you're golden child of shooting and you're the best <laughs> shooter there is. And I come up, there was actually, the day before I was with um, actually one of Muzz's friends, we went up around the corner and I thought, this would be a great place for a game cam. I've seen lots of tracks. Because one time there it was raining, lots of hoof prints. So on the next trip, we thought, should we set up a game cam here? Nah, someone's probably going to see it. We don't want to get it stolen. It's in the middle of nowhere. We don't want to, you know, just in case. So that morning, or so the next day, I walked up there, came around the corner, looked at myself and went, I saw this head snap back. And I thought, ooh, looks like a deer. And found it at 50 metres, because normally ruse, you know what ruse are like when they, you know, they stand up. Mm, yeah. I thought, nah, that's a deer. Looked through the scope. Yep, nice little chocolate little fellow doe, only small. You know, I just walked up the hill. So, you know, me, a little bit fat, a little bit unfit. <laughs> the crosshairs are moving up and down like yeah, even a three power I'm like and then I just went bang and just shot and I'm like what are you doing and then obviously I missed I saw it run uh, that was it it was over the next day I found a nice little place to sit in the in the in the, in the afternoon uh, really nice place uh, probably at 300 meters I could see either way a couple of deer came out of the pine they were frolicking jumping at each other probably about 270 and you know I feel kind of bad actually because the guys at Tasco gave me a uh a rangefinder, range finder, and when yeah. I thought, well, this is pretty close proximity hunting. I'm not going to need this, so I left it at home. Right? <laughs> how, stu- <laughs> how, <should> you do? <laughs> how stupid is that, right? And then all of a sudden, three of them that were jumping on each other, you know, frolicking and playing. I thought this is great. About probably like in 270 meters. Next time I go to this area, I'm going to range find it. Aimed up, missed again. I thought, wow. couldn't believe it. Yeah, couldn't believe it. Anyway, the last morning, um, I was sitting in the right spot. Guess what comes out? Good sized buck. Wow. Running almost past me at about probably 100 metres to my left. Well, no, sorry, to my right actually would be. And then, yeah, he stopped. <laughs> oh, just started chewing on some grass. I thought, oh, perfect. <laughs> Aim straight at the butt back to the top of the uh, front shoulder. The rest is history. Go so, on. Well done. Um, and then I had to get back and, you know, obviously do all the, you know, caving work and, you know, trying to drive back to Sydney on a public holiday. It was crazy, so I'm, 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 I'm pretty excited. That's two from two trips now, so hopefully the uh, monkey's stuff. off my back. So good stuff. But mate. Um, yeah. if you're if you're on uh, iTunes and you, that's where you download us, uh, rate it, rate, leave five stars, leave a comment. That'd be greatly appreciated. Um, of course, most of these shows now we do release them to our Patreon early. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, thank you very much. If you want to join up, it's like a buck. It's like. We get next to nothing. It just helps out, you know, if we want to get these shows together, equipment and stuff, uh, patreon.com forward slash AHP. Of course, go on the website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Uh, that's where you can check out uh, all the podcasts. We got our email here uh, from Phil. He gave us a great email. We read out one of his on a previous straight shooting podcast. He said, hi, Jason. Sorry. Great to hear the latest straight shooter. Deer hunting talk and tips for very good listening. After seeing a doe, I'm hooked. And happy the local forest is not just a desert. One day I may also find more productive forests. South coast or snowy areas potentially could be good. was a nice surprise to read out my letter on the show. Uh, What I meant to write was to the state and federal members, but not local area ones, as lots of them are green or religious. They may just hate us and send the cops to inspect my garage toys. 
they may know my bike as it is. They may, they may know my bike as it is. I don't know what that means, but anyway, let us know, Phil. Never had an inspection and better that way. So I think I would probably write to our local members, even if they're... What do you think about writing the local members? Obviously, I've met them. That's important. Even though they're green or religious, I guess that doesn't really matter. We want to let them know what we think. Well, if they're not on your political side, um, well, they're just going to ignore you anyway. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, but we just pretend we vote for them. You don't actually you know, say... You know, I, I tell the Liberals all the time when I vote for them that I vote for them, but I don't really. Yeah, I guess you, that might work with Labor and Liberals, but may not work with the Greenies. But so, you know, you can't, it, it'd be a bit tough going up to them. Look, I, I vote for you all the time. Can you just relax on the gun laws? <laughs> one, one thing you could try, instead of just writing a letter to them with a, a rant, for want of a better term, um, invite them out to the range. Invite them to try clay targets or pistols. And you know, if you're going to invest 50 bucks, okay, say, okay, look, I'll sponsor your, your trip and then um, get on to Emma Reynolds or um, what's her, Wendy Tui or one of the journalists and just say, hey, you know, I've arranged for this politician to come to the range. Why don't you come too? And they might write a story about it. Oh, they might be scared off. <laughs> either, either, way, it, either way, you're getting the message out there that we would True. like you to come and try it and you never, never know unless you never, never go. I think doing something is better than doing nothing, and it's even if they say no, it's a good experience. All right, well, next one we got from Steve. He says, hi, Jason. First off, love the podcast. Mate, a few times you've mentioned uh, getting up some template letters to send to our local members and mentioned a list of local members to contact. I was wondering where I can get and find this list. I live in WA, and our firearms laws are bloody horrible. Keep up the good work. Steve. Oh, maybe Justin, you might be able to help him out with yeah, that. Um, I'm on Facebook, Justin Luke Author. Um, if you're on the Australia National Firearms Lobby group, you'll find me posting there pretty frequently. Um, PM me, send me your details, and I'll help you out. Happy to. Same goes for anybody else. Next one from Barry W. Hi, guys. Just listened to the latest straight shooting and glad to see someone else viewed the ammo bill repealed as amazing. I approached the New South Wales Shooters Party chairman and asked him about it but he did not want to discuss it. I am too gobsmacked by the One Nation guy. He definitely needs a kicking out, and we'll send him an email to Pauline Hansen suggesting this. There is another interesting issue, and I will copy an email I sent to SSAA New South Wales for clarification. No answer just yet. I don't want to go into his email. That's a private email to uh, SSAA New South Wales. But um, while we're here, do we want to talk about the ammo bill, or what do we want to talk about, the, the amendments, or should we just wait do that a bit later? Well, I reckon we'll do that a bit later. Yep. Um, we've got plenty to say about that too, so we'll do it a bit later, Jess. Another email from a different Shane, actually. I think he might be in WA too. No, he doesn't say that. That was the previous email. G'day, Jason. Shane here. Oh, no, he's from West Australia. Am I able to get a template copy of you to use and send to my local member. It absolutely pains me that I'm not allowed to have a dedicated home defense weapon to protect my family. I'm not allowed a semi-auto rifle or shotgun or pump shotty for recreational or sporting use. It shits me to tears that as a regular pistol shooter, I'm most likely more proficient than most police officers. I would welcome the ability to concealed carry with proper training and would be proud if I could stop some scumbag in their tracks from committing crime. I agree with every word both you and Muzz speak. That's interesting. And after listening to your show for a while, I know none of these things will ever be realised if I don't do my part and help. Law-abiding gun owners should have no restrictions on what means they wish to burn gunpowder. Cheers from Western Australia and keep up the good work. Is that Steve? Steve from WA. Another Steve. Second Steve from WA, actually. Thank you very much, Steve, for your uh, excellent email. Good on you, mate. You hit the up. nail right on yeah. the head. None of us Can't. are going to have anything unless we all step up and do our part. Yep, I agree. Good I work. Agree. I agree. Now, we have an email from Mick. 
Hi guys, I really enjoy your podcast and it keeps me entertained on my long journeys. It has inspired me to become far more active in speaking up for our gun rights. I have written multiple letters to local, federal politicians as well as police ministers. I have helped two people get into the sport and obtain their gun license and both now have several long arms and love it. Just a suggestion, if you're looking for someone to interview... I'd love to hear from Richard Udding from Sharpshooting UK. Uh, as you're well aware, I'm sure there are many crap reviews on YouTube, but this guy seems like a real knowledgeable and interesting chap. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Mick. So, yeah, excellent. Good another stuff. One. Another one from Thank Mick. You, Mick. Thank you, Mick. Recently, we did the Mark Latham interview, didn't we? Oh, yes, I did, sorry. Yes. I did the Mark Latham That was very popular, Jace. And surpro- <laughs> it's always interesting because the guy that doesn't really, well, I said, whether you like him or you don't, whether you agree with him or not, I guess he's not. It's I guess totally anti-gun racing. I guess he has changed his tune somewhat. Yeah. From when he's been on TV, I think we saw him on the verdict, wasn't it, with Bob yeah. Catter with the Adler when that Walter Mickack was on there, yeah. and poor Bob Catter was under under the pump by about five different anti-gunners. I think it was Mark Latham being one of them. Uh, Bob also got attacked again, uh, probably I don't know a year later. Went from Mark Latham again saying, did you hear about the Orlando shooting? Yeah. And uh, I guess a few people out there wanted to make clear. And for people that regularly listen to the show, I guess this is not rocket science for them. But in no way did we endorse Mark Latham's nah, uh, nah. Uh, opinions. It's simply finding out what he thought about firearms. And I guess during listening to the show, I guess he was a lot about emotion, wasn't he? More yeah, about well, that's right. That's what I was going to say, Jason. I mean, after listening to the interview, I mean, you can see Mark Latham doesn't have, can't really mount a proper argument against guns. Every argument he had was an emotional one. So the school shootings, yeah, you and know, that's all what that, he said. You know, all that stuff. It, it, you know, he he and even said to you, I'm sure that what you're saying, Jason, all the facts and everything that you it's have correct. is correct, right? But it's the but, school shootings. But you know, but in the Australian psyche, blah blah blah. Mm. It's uh, it, you know, guns it's are. Done. It, it's an emotional argument. So and uh, what that says to me is that he wasn't really willing to go out and fight for the actual argument uh, for guns. And uh, but that's okay. And I, well, I don't think anyone he was was ever expecting him to. But what's important that came out of that is that he will no longer sit on the bench that's uh, that's smashing all the gun gun owners. Mm. I, I guess I mean he's uh, at least going to be sympathetic somewhat to gun owners every single time uh, some idiot wants to um, take uh, construct more laws against us. And he did say and, it, could, it could get worse. Yeah, I know he did say that. But the point is, is Jason uh, Mark Latham joining LDP has uh, been an exercise in one very vocal anti-gun ex-labor dude turning into someone who is. I guess, somewhat sympathetic to our cause. Mm. My personal view is that I I look at this as a strategy of bite and hold, and that is the strategy that the anti-gunners have taken with us for over 20 years, since before 1996. This was their strategy. Go a a little bit of a change here and hold it. Then try something over here and hold it. Then something over here, nibbling away at our rights, little bit by little bit, in this bite and hold strategy. So people who are saying, you know, oh, we want... X now, we want concealed carry now, we want our semi-autos back now, need to understand that it is possible to do that, theoretically, but it's much more likely to get our rights back using the same strategy of bite and hold and getting little things, first of all, stopping the rising tide of regulation, which we'll talk about in a minute, but converting a rabbit anti-gunner into somebody who's actually prepared to tone down his rhetoric. He may not be applying Mm. constructive thought to his own processes yet, but he's taken some steps and at least we've silenced one of the voices that were attacking us. 
I think it's a good thing and it shows promise. And so long as we maintain our cool head, our logical arguments and keep inviting him out to the range, he may learn more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you, Justin. And um, one of the things that I came off with the interview was that uh, how some people just have complete inability to apply the same logical and rational thinking as they do to other mm-hmm. um, subjects, like, for example, free speech. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Latham's very passionate about free speech. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate someone making the argument to him, come on, Mark, we've had 18C for a long time, it's now in the Australian psyche, you know, it's not going to change, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure he would make a very rational argument against that, but he can't see that same sort of um, argument for firearm ownership and he can't, he can't equate that same idea uh, with firearm ownership. So that's the problem I have. And uh, maybe in time it'll happen, I don't know. But the, the thing that I'm most happy about is Mark Latham is um, definitely not going to be one of these anti-gun people that is going to be in the media telling everyone, you know, oh, you know, John Howard's a saint, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, we should be grateful for all these laws, blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, I'm very happy that, you know, this is one person in the media, one person less, that is going to be attacking us. Yeah, exactly. And people think, too, that my interview was, Muzz, was a endorsement of Mark Latham mm. and um, <laughs> there was some... Well, I actually had to get on the website, um, sorry, on, on the Facebook page, Jason, and just um, actually write, you know, to everyone, make sure they know that the interview in regards to Mark Latham was in no way in any kind of endorsement But do we have to really tell years. people that? Kind of seemed like we had to because there were some people there that was wondering, why the hell are we interviewing Mark Latham? Well... We're interviewing him because he just joined up the LDP and it's interesting to hear his thoughts and um, he went to the Freedman Conference and he spoke and uh, heard a lot of uh, opinions about pro-guns and we wanted to see where we where he was at. Yep, establish his, a baseline. His, establish a baseline and where he was at and see how, what, what makes up Mark Latham and I thought that was very interesting. But a lot of people thought straight away, oh yeah, why are they interviewing this guy? He's anti-gun, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's not the point of the interview. Mm. And so pe- some people completely missed it, you know what mm. I mean? So, and what happened with you? There was a particular issue where oh, look, so- somebody was online and said AHP were a pack of fuds, and I thought that's interesting considering yeah. we're probably, I, I wouldn't say, the, well, I don't know, maybe the most uh, pro-gun. Pro-gun, might, I think, yeah. yeah at least no. the most pro-gun podcast, I guess. I'm not sure, you know, like. Well, look, here's the thing, Jason. And right? what happened? Anyway, tell, well, us, I, tell I, us the I, story. I'll tell you what happened. So I, I got into a um, little bit of an exchange on Facebook with someone, and, and, you know, they were saying, oh, you guys are not doing this, not doing that. And I said, okay, no worries. And I won't mention this person's name. Like uh, Justin says, no point making stupid people famous. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, mate, no worries. Look, you, but, you, but also I might add, this is someone before you go on, someone that worked I love it, it when you cut me off. Sorry, I'm just about to make the, someone, just about the punchline of a joke. Know, you just cut me off. Let me just say one thing. This is someone, this is somebody that's known to us anyway, someone that's known to oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so anyway, I, I just do the thing that I normally do with all these people. I say, mate, here's the phone number. Ring up Jason. You're quite welcome to come on the show and discuss your thoughts and tell us what you think we should be doing, how we should be doing it. If you think, you know, you know what's happening, you come on the show. We're not going to, you know, we'll give you a fair, fair whack. We'll give you a fair hearing. Uh, we'll give you the number. You can call us anytime, blah, blah, blah. No, no, they always back down. They always back off and say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do that. I say, well, mate, you seem to have plenty to say. Come on a show and say it. So every time when their feet are put to the fire, these people, they think they all know better, they always just back out like a bunch of little cowards, a bunch of, yeah. bunch of little And kids. what happened? You ended up getting, as soon as you called this person out, you ended up getting banned and deleted, didn't you? Oh, he just, he just banned me. He didn't like my opinion because I, you know, <laughs> I, actually, I actually confronted him to actually have his say on the show 
and they didn't want he didn't want to have a say. You know, they're too cowardly to actually come on the show and uh, express their views and uh, have their views. You know, God forbid, challenged. That this is what happens, but. It, thankfully, it doesn't happen that often, but it does happen mm-hmm. sometimes. So, and it's it's worthwhile mentioning. Uh, there's a lot of people that talk a lot of crap on Facebook, but when it comes to the crunch, when it comes to really expressing their views and articulating their points, they're absolute uh, cowards. They're cowards. Yeah. They can't do it. And we they, ask they, them they to come on. They can't back up anything they say. We ask them to come on. We invite people all the time, but they don't come on. So there you go. Looking for a big weekend? Australia's biggest sports shooting and outdoor event, the Double SAA Shot Expo, is now even bigger. With hunting gear and outdoor equipment from the world's biggest names, plus demonstrations, talks, and entertainment for the whole family. Over 120 displays, one location. The Double SAA Shot Expo, RNA Showgrounds, Brisbane, August 26th and 27th. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au for sponsors and the full program. I just mentioned, I won't mention that per, a person's name, but there was an, also another prominent person, right, prominent person, who had an opinion. We invited him to come to the show to have a discussion, but then he all of a sudden decided to dictate, the, wanted to dictate the terms, how it's going <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. done, blah, blah, blah. I said, no, nah, mate, it's our show. Yeah, we, okay? we say what goes on. We say, we, we, we dictate the terms. We give you a phone call. If you want to come and have a say, have a say. Uh, and then he just backed out as well. So you know, <laughs> what, what was his terms? <laughs> well, you know, he he wanted to, he wanted to um, be able to call the shots in terms of what questions and things like that. Yeah, okay. and I said, well, hang on, it doesn't work no, that no. way, mate. <laughs> this is not the FUD podcast. <laughs> this is the Australian hunting podcast. So anyway, you know, like but, I said, but you know what, Jason, this is important to mention, right? It's important to mention. Okay, we welcome all opinions, good, bad indifferent, whatever. We welcome all opinions. And you know what? We welcome all criticisms too. If you have any criticism, fine, but back it up with something. I mean, part of the frustration actually about this show is I think the lack of feedback sometimes from uh, people who listen, right? We want your feedback, okay? Yeah. Believe me. Send we, we, emails, we want your, We want your feedback. If you think we're doing a crap job, tell us why, okay? Tell us why. If we're saying things that aren't factual or, you know, things that are misleading, tell us what it is. Tell us why. If we made a genuine mistake about something, fine, we'll apologise. But you know what I mean? Mm. But this is the thing. We're, we welcome feedback. We're not going to exclude anyone. We're not going to mm. ban people or anything like that unless you're being completely abusive and a jerk. So, you know, yeah. that's, the, that's the thing. Exactly. Mate, the Firearms, Weapons and Legislation Amendments Bill 2017. Now, this was debated probably, what, four weeks ago, I would say. Now, yep. what we're going to yep. do now, we're just going to go through the... Well, not all 50 amendments. We're just going to give a bit of a, a cap of what happened. Uh, we're going to give a bit of a, a cap about which parties voted for what amendments and uh, some interesting commentary about the Animal Justice Party. So the Shooters and Fishers Party put up uh, 50 amendments in Parliament. Now, I thought we might address some interesting who voted for what in regards to those amendments. Now, <laughs> of course, we know the Greens didn't vote for any of those 50 amendments. Of course, we know that. Uh, and surprisingly... Or the Nationals, or yeah, the Liberals. Yeah, Nationals and or the Liberals voted against uh, every one of the 50 amendments. Now, if we actually look at uh, one of their own uh, from... I think he's a Liberal. I'm not sure if he's a National. Peter Phelps, Liberal. It actually says Liberal. Now, he voted for... He crossed the floor, I guess, and voted for two of the amendments. Those uh, amendments were keep lever action shotguns in Category A and reclassify pump action shotguns to Category B. So I guess that's better than 
well, nothing at all, which would have been all Liberals voting. But, I mean, it didn't matter anyway because he's only one person out of, a, obviously, a large party. Now, the most interesting one is Labor. No, that's not the most interesting, Jason. Hang on. Okay, the, mo- the most interesting one <laughs> the is justice. the Animal Justice, justice Party, party yeah. who apparently are more pro-gun than the Nationals. Yep. They voted to allow <laughs> firearms... Uh, which one was it? Animal Justice Party. Yeah, sorry, it actually wasn't the paper one. Allow firearms licences to be collected in person from Service New South Wales. Actually, do tell a lie. Yeah, and the paintball one And too. the paintball one. I just yeah. looked down there. And they also uh, voted for the established paintball as a sport and removing it from classification under the Firearms Act. Yep. So the Animal Justice so Mark, Party... Dave, Michael uh, Pearson, what's his name? Um, Mark Pearson. Mark Pearson, that's right. Mark Pearson voted for two of the 50 amendments. Yeah, so the Animal Justice Party don't mind get uh, your paintball and take it off Firearms Act. That's fine. And, and Service New South Wales, get your license picked and, up from... And get uh, your license picked up, but the Nationals are against it. Yep. So <laughs> as you can see, it's more about politics there than actual good policy. Why on earth would anyone vote for Nationals is beyond me. But there are, they do have some good federal representatives. But uh, in New South Wales, they've been absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. The council amalgamations, the greyhound racing, the firearms amendment bill, there's no support whatsoever for any of the uh, amendments that um, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party put up. Now, Jason, I want to speak, I want to say something about the firearms amendments bill. We got a big media release on Facebook on the Shooters and Fishers Farmers Party site saying that ammo bill to be repealed. And I thought to myself, wow, fantastic. Right, this is great. They managed to you know, do a deal with I the government. Think, I even think you sent it to me and I was like, yeah. shit, wow. Wow, That's amazing. Like, this, yeah. this is fantastic. Then later on we found out, well, actually, no, nothing's been repealed. <laughs> They're going to vote on it, right? <laughs> so here I am thinking, okay, it hasn't been voted on yet. So I'm thinking, hang on, maybe the Shooters and Fishers Party have done a pretty good deal here with the Labor Party. Uh, because they've backed each other, I guess, in the in the orange by-election, and maybe they've done a pretty good deal together. Maybe the Labor Party will help it get across the line. Ah, you know what? I thought to myself, wow, they must be doing some good work behind mm, the scenes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, wrong. <laughs> what, what were they thinking wrong. to release that before the vote had even been done? It was just, I don't know. It was just a. I can't believe what they were releasing. Why would you release that to the people when you know full well? That there's no, there's not even anywhere near getting repealed. Let's remember too that the it's just, it's it just, was the removal of an address. Now the 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 Nationals or Niall Blair was the one that put up the bill to remove the address mm. off. Which don't get me wrong is a good thing, but what in regards to reclassification or or agreeing to the reclassification, which they didn't do, they voted against the bill. But probably several weeks before that, maybe even a month before, I emailed them several times and asked them how they were going to vote on that bill. They just wouldn't answer my question. I don't know why that is. Uh, I'm not sure 100% why that is. I tried to get details and information about it, what they were going to do in regards to that bill. And if they were to get some of these amendments, which we're looking at right now, like, you know, reclassify pump shotguns to Category B, establish a firearms ombudsman, for an example, remove restrictions on firearm suppressors, I guess then you would probably look at it and say, well, what are we getting out of this? To, to, to agree to, you know, the, the Nationals' amendments to the bill. Obviously, none of them got up, which is, you know, a damn shame because, you know, we would have liked to see some of them get up. I mean, even Labor voted to pick up uh, collect licences from yeah, service centres. the Ombudsman. Yeah, they agreed to establish an independent firearms ombudsman. They agreed yeah. with that. Of course, again, the you know, Greens, Nationals, Liberals, no, we don't want, you know, fair and equitable outcomes for firearms owners. We like no. them to get shafted, so they yeah. voted against it. They need to be destroyed. <laughs> 
Exactly. You know, they even agreed to remove paintball under the classification uh, under the Firearms Act. That's ridiculous that paintball's even in there. And, and airsoft isn't legalised as well, too. Like, yeah, exactly. That doesn't make any sense. Agreed. You well, have to look I'm, at it from well, the point of view of the... This was all put up by the police union originally, all these restrictions they wanted. And there are, the paranoia at the top is that terrorists might use paintball or airsoft in training That's before they said, actually yep. commit a real crime. Therefore, we need to stop everybody from having it just in case this very minor um, risk comes... To, comes true now if anybody has two brain cells you can look at it and say hang on a minute let's apply some critical thinking criminals can already import ak-47s glocks sniper rifles alongside the illegal drugs that come in in shipping containers already okay so if they want to train with airsoft or paintball they can bring those toys or markers in alongside the actual firearms they're going to use to commit the crime so passing these laws and not enforcing the border controls is like you said it makes no sense Mm. but that's the reason it was put in is because the people at the top the people who are writing these laws are so paranoid and also want to be seen to be doing something rather than actually doing something it's politics 101 i guess another question too why would you say that prior to actually it actually happening saying the ammo bill is being repealed well jason i believe it's just a one big uh, case of fuddery from the Shooters and Fishers Party. I'm, and to be honest, I'm, I'm just over it. How many times have they said, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, nothing ever happens? So, but, but I think we can agree here it hasn't been repealed, correct? No, it hasn't been repealed, of course. And they, they told everyone that it will be repealed. That, that's the part that really shits me because, you know, why would you do that? Why would you tell people out there that it will be repealed, nowhere near repealed, right? Well, unless, it's, fair... unless it's for publicity of some sort. Yeah, but... there's a fair chunk of politics is about publicity, and look, I, um, I'm an SFP member. I voted SFP. I've oh, so handed out um, voting cards, etc. Um, and so, what would, what would be talked, behind it? We, we we talked about this last last show. I don't know honestly why you guys keep beating this dead horse. It's you know the, the, it's bolted and the, the horse is bolted, and we're trying to talk about the stable door. The whether it was just a brain fart. Whether it was a marketing ploy that uh, you know we, we hope this can get up and it didn't. Uh, well, I don't blame them for, let's move for, on. for putting in firearm amendments. That's fine. You know the amendments are you know were pretty good. That's all good. But why would you tell everyone that it's repealed? I mean, this just sounds stupid. Yeah. It makes you, especially when you know there's a good chance it may not be. You're just going to end up with egg on your face. It's the same thing with the, all the suppressors, where mm. where they said, "Oh, we're going to change the form so you can get suppressors." So everyone thought, "Wow, I'm going to be applying for a suppressor." <laughs> you get no, no chance of getting a suppressor, mate. I can tell you that much. And you know, even Sean here, who's you might have some category D license, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he knows how difficult it is to get a suppressor. But the point, the point that I'm going to make is that the SFP, all the time, they promise these things or say things, they're just not going to eventuate. Uh, first it was... Well, it's not that it's not going to eventuate. It's a lie. I mean, period, really. It, it is flat-out lie. Like, the, the ammo bill will be repealed. Nothing's been repealed. So, look, here's the thing. Anyway, tell us... Uh, go, to, go to... Hang on. Sean, what? Just, just in mate, regards to suppressors. Yeah, tell us how hard it is to get one as a contract shooter. Oh, um... I know with, with my cat D, like I was talking to the, the firearms registry uh, not long ago about it, and they said to me, because I've already got access to um, prohibited firearms, i.e. cat Ds, it's going to be actually harder for me to get a suppressor than it would be if I just had business other uh, with category A and B. 
So I've got to actually, I don't even know if I, I can, I'm eligible to get one, even though that I've got um, at least two contracts now that have uh, requested it. And when I went and actually said to the Farms Registry, my latest contractor said to me, they want me to use a, a suppressor because the property is only small. Uh, they came back and said to me that, um, that your client shouldn't be telling you what to do in the same way that um, they wouldn't tell a builder to use a hammer instead of a nail gun. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> like, Does that you, even make sense? No, no, not, not to me. It doesn't. Like, I mean, I've got, so you're a contract student. It's very difficult to get one, if, if impossible. Well, with, with Category D, I do know Category D license holders who have um, suppressors, but it seems to be a lot easier if you've just got business other with Category A and B. Because at the moment, the, the, the genuine reason, the, the reason they're giving me for not being uh, eligible for one is because I've got access to Category D firearms. Like, that makes any difference. Because you're so dangerous. Because, see, if you have a Cat D a firearm, man. you have even more risk of becoming a mass murderer because that, especially if it's black and, and military looking. Oh, give me yeah. a break. I don't like black rifles, just for the record. Mm. It's because I'm I black, do. isn't it? <laughs> I do. I like uh, yeah. I just bought a GRS Berserk stock. It's quite nice. Yeah. Black. It's, uh, you saw it just before. Yeah, I like it. Before, I, before we started the show. I'm actually pastoral to uh, snow camo on my uh, guns. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into Mark, anything, guys, to finish off on that that was important or any well, final words on that particular issue? Well, I've got plenty to say. Oh. I've got plenty to say about this stuff. And <laughs> okay. Let's no, not well, spend too long. Let's we move don't on. on. Let's move on. Well, I'll tell you right now, this is what I have to say. I reckon Robert Brown or uh, Borsak should resign. They've been, in, they've been in New South Wales Parliament now for over eight years, each one, okay, and they've achieved very, very little, very little. Okay, now I I love the Shooters and Fishers Party. It's a great brand, but these two guys have been at it for such a long time. They haven't been able to win favour with O'Farrell. They haven't been able to win favour with um, uh, Mike, Mike, Baird. Mike Baird or Berejiklian. or Gladys Berejiklian. And they they made a, a right royal cock up of the national parks hunting. Okay, they gave the government six billion dollars worth of ports. We got nothing. Okay, uh, they said we we're going to get suppressors. We didn't get suppressors or they, they said sorry change the form so that people can apply for them you know it's just been one cock up after another i think they've had their go can, right, can i can i ask your opinion guys have but, they not had, had enough time have they not had their go isn't it time that someone else come in and step in and and have a yeah. go and create a better relationship with the government well, to who, get something okay through? even better question to ask you guys and who would you put in there's a good question i don't know enough about the other people that could go in Okay, but let me tell you something. There is no movement with these two guys at the helm. They're obviously not liked by the by the uh, people that are in Parliament, not liked by the premiers. They haven't been able to achieve some of the things that John Tingle used to achieve back in back in the day when he didn't have the balance of power. It was just him. I don't think I don't think they've uh, they're, they're very successful. In fact, if they were, if either one was the prime minister, they would have been rolled years ago. They would have been rolled years ago. So just think about that. Now, let me tell you something. I am a Shooters and Fishers and Farmers Party. Mem- I'm a member of the party. I like the party. But I want to see some success. I want to see some results, some tangible results. Now, Phil Donato's election was great. And there's a by-election coming up in Cootamundra for uh, Hodgkinson's seat. which Katrina Hodgkinson. Katrina Hodgkinson's seat, which... Uh, uh, will be contested by the Shooters and Fishers Party, which I hope they, they're going to get a lot of media publicity like they did last time from 2GB and that. And I hope they do really well. I hope they get that seat. But I can tell you right now that these two guys, Robert Borsak and Brown, have had their time, they've had their go, and they've got to go. That Someone else needs to step in, some fresh blood with new ideas. They need to step in, create better relationship with the government so we can achieve some results. 
We might throw Justin in. Justin in. Uh, I hesitate to use the N word, Mario, uh, naive, but I think you're pointing, you're you're ascribing blame to the wrong area. Uh, I don't, it wouldn't matter if you put Donald Trump in as the head of the SFFP with only two seats in New South Wales Parliament. The, 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 The opportunity is extremely limited to get anything done. And to try and do deals with other people when you just don't have the number of seats, you're just not going to get anywhere. So I, I hear what you're saying. I disagree that it's the, the two guys at the top. The fault lies squarely on the shoulders of Australian shooters who are not voting for enough for these guys in enough numbers to give them five, six, seven seats. Once we've got a coalition, look at WA election. Aaron Stonehouse, One Nation, SFP, they're making a good pushback against the um, the establishment because they've got enough seats. But New South Wales, it's a different playing field and we just don't have enough on the ground to make a difference. Look, I understand, Justin, what you're saying and quite often you do need the balance of power to get, the, you know... Important. But John Tingle didn't have the balance of power no, when he instituted no, public land hunting. He no. made an agreement with Bob Carr. That's right, because he was good policy and... Even he, though he, Bob Carr banned duck hunting. Well... <laughs> Bastard. It, it, it One was, of my favourite pastimes and he yeah. banned it. It was, it, it, it was good Bob policy. Carr. It was good policy, and, and, the, and the point is, is that John Tingle made great relationships, and he and he was a very respected member of Parliament. Right. So this is what I'm trying to say. The Animal Justice Party don't have the balance of power. They almost got bloody greyhounds banned. Okay. And if it wasn't for a groundswell of people from the country uh, rising up, along with the SFP as well, and along with uh, Ray Hadley and Alan Jones on TGB rising up against this uh, stupid policy by the Liberals. I mean, it would have would probably would have got through. My point is, is that you can't just rely on the balance of power. If we're going to wait for the balance of power all the time to get something done, we'll never get something done. And one issue is the we simply we, we know that there's not enough votes to get the balance yeah. of power. And when we did have it, they squandered it. Look at this. The Animal Justice Party is really just the nutcase wing of the Greens. Okay, so when you're talking AJP, you're also in an umbrella of the Greens. Now, what does the media love? Does the media love shooters or does the media love lefty Greens? Okay, so when you're talking AJP banning greyhound racing, they have, guess what? Powerful allies. Do we have powerful allies? Well, no, we, we do, can't but even get. No, we made enemies anywhere, we everywhere. That's what I'm trying listen, to say. We can't even raise seventeen grand for Aussie to take the media to court for using his YouTube footage about the Adler. So, if you're talking about lame and you're talking about things, we've got no allies because we haven't looked for anyone to be allied with and give them an incentive to be allied with us, and we can't even pull our finger out to support one of our own and strike back against the Galactic Empire. That's stolen from but also us. Channel 9 well, one has a shit ton of money know. for number one, but that means, in essence, we're conceding that everyone around the country, so Daniel Young, Jeff Borman, David Lionhelm, uh, all pro-gun parties, we're conceding they're not going to make a difference. No, that's not true. But, no, but, no, that's not what no, I'm saying. No, no. But, but that's what we are saying because we're saying there's only two people in Parliament, so therefore they can't achieve anything. So how does that work? Well, the, well. So why are the they thing. there? Why are we paying three hundred thousand dollars a year for people that are going to be ineffective? Correct, Jason. I agree with exactly what you're saying. You can't wait just for the balance. I understand. Of power. I understand. We've you got to get more. Use, you can't use the balance of power excuse and the whole idea. Oh, we don't have enough of this and all the time as an excuse to not be able to do something. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work. You got these guys have had eight years in Parliament each. Okay, they've achieved very little. 
Okay, and then they put a lot of these good firearm amendments through, and it's great, fantastic. We expect them to do that. But you even saw, Jason, some of the arguments that Robert Brown was using in Parliament. He was using Michael Diamond as an argument mm, yeah, in Parliament, and then yeah. David Shoebridge pulled him up on it. And uh, look, the point is, these two guys have had their go. If they were the leader of any other party, they would have been ousted ages ago, ages ago. Because they're simply not effective at making and creating the best relationships in Parliament, and that's evident by by the looks of these votes on the firearm amendment. Justin, bill. do you want to run for the SFP? Will you put your hand up? No, I've <laughs> put your hand up. I've got uh, other plans, thank you. But uh, yeah. oh, sh- what are these said plans you speak uh, of? Yeah, it's uh, get rich or die trying. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my cover. Um, not just yet, but I haven't ruled it out long term. But look, you know what, Jason? Robert Brown and Borsak have been fantastic com- campaigners, right? They've been great campaigners. They've got Philip Donato. Especially on line. Greyhound Racing, though, Robert Borsak yeah. was very good on that. Look, I've said before, I wish they were as passionate about guns and, uh, you know, our recreational sports as they are about yeah. Greyhound Racing and, and nurses. nurses and all this other stuff. <laughs> Listen, mate, <laughs> you if, you, if you had spent the last eight years of your life trying to get support from shooters and getting slapped in the face every time, you'd be jaded as well. Question is, why are they getting slapped in the face, though? Why? Maybe that's why we need a change. No, no, no I'm, I'm saying the, the fault is not with them. The fault is with us as a community. We can't get out of our own way. But hang on. Didn't we give them 180,000 votes or something like that along those lines in New South Wales? Yeah, New South Wales. In the last Wales, election? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of votes. It's not enough. Well, how many, no. shoot, how many shooters are there in New South Wales? Well, was there 300,000? That's not a bad result. So they got over, I mean, it's not over the best, half. but it's, it's pretty good. I mean, you know, you can't, you're never going to expect to get every single shooting vote. I mean, it'd be nice, but it's, <laughs> I mean, not, it's we, not realistic. We saw in the last election, but 500,000 people didn't vote for a pro-gun party, maybe even more. Yeah, to that extent, I agree. Yeah, we, are part, we are partly to blame. But look, we had the balance of power, Justin. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The guys had the balance of power. They could have made a deal with O'Farrell. They could, could have got something through. They didn't. They failed. They failed on the, on the ammunition build. They failed on the suppressors. There's been a lot of failures. Let's face it, okay? There's been a lot of failures. And when how can we rebuild that? Let's get on a positive. How, can we, how, do, we, how do we rebuild? Well, I think my opinion is, is these guys have to go. There needs to be new people at the, at the top that are going to create new relationships with the Premier. That's my opinion. That's just my opinion. It's just one person. Okay, I'm allowed to have my opinion and I can defend my opinion. So, and that's just me. I know some people will be throwing hate mail at me, whatever. I don't care. That's fine. Okay, that's what I think. I think these guys have been there for a long time and they're telling porkies on Facebook and I've had enough. I really just had enough. I want someone else there. Okay, I want someone else there uh, who was effect- as effective as John Tingle. All right, well, I'm sure that was a robust conversation. I like a bit of robust conversation here, a bit of backwards and forwards. But let's go on to the other one now because I know. Sean was very you – know, there might be a lot of different opinions here at this table about this particular issue. Now, there was uh, Shooters and Fishers Party Queensland post about the upcoming SHOT Show in Brisbane. Now, we would have assumed, just like in New South Wales and WA, uh, all of the political parties uh, that wanted to join – uh, would, would wanted to go to the SHOT Show in Brisbane, would be allowed to go now. So I'm reading the announcement from our Shooters, and Fishers Far- Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party Queensland. It is definitely a mouthful, that name of the party. Announcement, it says, It's now official after several months of trying to elicit an answer as to the status of our application to have a stand at the Brisbane SHOT Show. Our secretary finally got to speak with a member of the SSAA Queensland executive uh, of the outcome of that conversation is summarised as, as follows. We are not permitted to have a stand at the SHOT Show. We may 
attend under direct supervision of the SSAA and speak with people. However, we are not permitted to display or distribute any SFFP material, promotional material. Uh, we were advised that this ban was applicable to all political parties. We're informed that the SSAA were not happy with the New South Wales and National SSFP, as well as some Sydney-based members, and that these members were not welcome at the SHOT Show. We'll be told to leave if they tried to attend. We're informed that the SSAA would not work with us if we associate ourselves with certain SFFP members from Sydney, and that if we did associate with these members, we would also not be welcome at the SHOT Show, and we'll be told to leave if we tried to attend. Uh, we're informed that the SHOT Show was for trade exhibits only. It is interesting that Queensland Weapons Licensing Branch will have a stand at the show. And they've got an official stance obviously saying it's disappointing. They tried to work with the SSAA. Uh, it's apparent the only way they will work is if it's under their terms, um, et cetera, et cetera, which is obviously they're, obviously they're a bit upset. And well, What do you guys think about this? Is it a, is it a, a ploy? Is it a, a ploy by the SSAA in some form of fashion? Is it they're saying they're banning all political parties? Why? I mean, Queensland's interesting a bit from the SSAA. Seems to be a bit of an enigma from you know, the rest of, of the country in regards to, I guess, who they're going to let in. This is the first time they've not had political parties come in, whether that's One Nation, whether that's Nationals, LDP, SFFP. My question Sean? would be, um, how many of the members of the SSAA um, in Queensland were actually asked if they wanted political parties banned? You I, don't, know? I don't think they really polled anyone, probably. Yeah, but yeah, I, know. That, I mean, that's, that's my guess. But what do you think? Do you reckon this is good, bad, indifferent? Uh, I, I I think it's um I, I think it's bad on the surface of it without knowing everything that's um, gone on in the background it looks like the double SAA are, are, I guess are, are being bullies when I heard about everything that happened in the background like the, my opinion on it is who cares what people say on online on, and whatnot you know we need to have uh, thicker skins would, would you is, have had them there even if they even if just say any political parties because you know, I mean I've and, given and, them grief haven't I I mean here at AHP we've been even I'm on the Sydney yeah. branch committee I've been very critical yeah. of the double SAA and certain things they've done and in other other forms i've also been very uh uh positive with things that they've done in the past so i'd i'd, I'd have them there um regardless of what they said I, I would have them there because we need more pro-gun parties to be, to be involved in in the shooting sports you know like well look uh, i think that the libertarian position would be it's the double SAA show and they can have whoever they want there so look i, I think it's good if we have political parties there yes i agree yeah. uh, with sean but I, I don't agree with sean when he says that we're they're being bullies um, I don't think so. I think maybe there's a bit of bad blood there. That between. was just my first impression yeah. without knowing anything in the background. Yeah. All right. Hey, I mean, stick to your opinion. Yeah, don't worry okay. what Muzz says. That's don't okay. worry. I mean, we're all speculating here. We're just yeah. all speculating to see you know, what could be the case. So we're just having a conversation about it. It's fine. So, I mean, I just think there maybe could be a bit of bad blood there between the SFP and uh, SSAA. But they've and, also got a new... And, and, and as a response, they've decided to ban all political parties to make it, I well, guess. We, we don't. And again, that's only allegedly. We yeah. don't know. That's only speculative. Yeah, well, we're just speculating. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's my thoughts. But, Which would um, be a shame. I mean, listen, I'm in the, I'm in the middle on this. I'm, like Mario said, you know, I agree that you know, I, I probably would, ha- would have parties there. I think it helps shooters. I mean, we want as many people getting as many pro-gun votes as we can. But also on the flip side, you know, yeah, if I was running a... You know, shot expo or a, a hunting venue or whatever it may be. You know, it's my, you know, it's my show. It's like it's like someone coming to my show and go, well, I want to come on your show, and I go, yeah, mate, not really interested. No, you will. You have to. <laughs> you have to let me on there. And I'm like, well, hang on, no, this is yeah. my show. 
I decide who yeah, goes on. Exactly. Then, you know? Okay, so is the um, criticism of the SSSA valid, though? You know, have they looked at that? Like, I, I worked at one of There's Sydney... a lot of unhappy people on Facebook, I know that. Yeah, well, I, when I, I worked at uh, part-time at one of Sydney, uh, Sydney's uh, SSSA Rangers, and I had a lot of people that used to come in and, and you know, complain to me um, about, you know, lack of political lobbying. SSSA appeared to be happy with the status quo, you know, working in the background that's not doing anything. Uh, you know, just stuff like that. Like, at the end of the day, I think we need to let, like, I guess, egos go. And, and just get on, on with the job. Yeah, look, Sean, I, I agree. Look, the SSAA haven't been great performers either, like when it comes to political lobbying and getting political <laughs> outcomes. Yeah. Let's face it, you know what I mean? Haven't been great performers, you know what I mean, Bob? So, you know, there's nothing to um, cry about there. But, but at the end of the day, you've got to realise, okay, if, if it's their show, no one has a right to be at their show mm. unless, uh, I guess... The, the SSAA hierarchy allow them to be at the show. So yeah, but th- these political parties are meant to be helping, like um, not not just SSAA, but like all shooters, and and it's kind of like cutting your nose off to spite your face. In in my opinion, you know, like I wouldn't I wouldn't be kicking them out. I yeah, my view is we are in a wooden leaky boat that is sinking, and it's sinking steadily, and it, but it's sinking slowly, so it's hard to really notice it. At least we're consistent. But every year, there's a little bit more water coming into the boat. Our rights are being nibbled away, nibbled away, nibbled away. Right. And every year or twice a year, the anti-gunners from outside fire another shot into the hull and create another leak. And there's a few people who are try- who've recognised, hey, we- this is not a good trend. We need to reverse this trend and are trying to plug the leaks. And people like David Leinhelm and etc. Uh, are doing work to try and push back against this rising tide of water that is going to sink our boat and there's a lot of other people who are in the boat who take great pleasure in pointing at other people saying, you're not doing anything or you're doing something else or you're not helping me with my leak, so I'm not going to help you with your leak. Mm. And there's another bunch of people up in the top of the boat who are looking down where the leaks are saying, oh, I'm so glad that leak's not at our end. And so this metaphor for all of us, we are all in this together. They are coming for every single one of our guns. And if you think that you're in some club or some category that just because they haven't restricted you yet, they're not going to, or even if somebody has come to you, if you're listening to this and you're the, the president of an organisation and you've had a visit from Rebecca Peters and she has said, if you help us, we will leave you alone. I don't know if that's true or not, but I wouldn't put it past them to. That'd be like making a deal with the devil, though. Make a deal with. Hey, people yeah. do all the time. Okay, but people, we need a few devils. They don't <laughs> understand the stakes. It is our grandchildren and their children who are going to be left absolutely helpless with no sport, no self-defence, no nothing, and it will be. Yeah. I don't, you know, people have forgotten East Germany, mm. what East Germany was like under the communists, guys. The Greens and the Socialists, that is what they want. That is a paradise for them because those few people who are pushing it will be at the top living off all of the taxes of the peasants below. Okay? So you- the rumour on the street is is that next time around it'll be lever-action rifles. Okay? Because the media have already run with this rapid-fire phrase and they've bedded that into the, the, the public psyche. And so they've got five-plus lever shotguns, gone Cat D. Now they've got a mechanism that works. They've proved that this strategy works, and they will now focus on five-plus lever rifles. 
will be the next thing. So what are we going to do? That's the biggest question. If we're, if we're saying our representation at times mm-hmm. can be ineffective, what are we going to do? That means there's <laughs> pretty much nothing we can do. I mean, that's the, that's the sad well, reality then, isn't my, it? For, from my point of view, for the last two weeks, I've been pumping around a draft proposal on Facebook to fight the regulations. I proposed, I sent up my letters for everybody to copy when we were trying to fight the legislation being passed at the start. And I would like our bodies and our sporting groups and clubs to get aware that this is happening. The ship is sinking, and unless we do something to plug the leaks, we are all going to sink. So it would be nice to have all of those clubs and groups, first of all, working together, like the Combined Firearms Council of Victoria, pooling resources, and secondly, getting ready for when this happens. You can't tell me that the 1996 gun laws were written in a week after Port Arthur. They had it prepared and ready to go. They anticipated a mass shooting and they had it ready to go, okay? Now, we've got a clear signal, lever action rifles are next, okay? Mm. So we need to get on the front foot and anticipate they're going to try and do this, so what are we going to get ready for when it happens? And the second thing is, now that I've said this, Samantha Lee's listening to this, of course, and she's going to say, okay, bugger, now we can't do the lever action rifles. We'll go after semi-automatic handguns instead. Okay, they'll do a diversion. That didn't go well for them last time, though. Yeah, sure. So what are they going to do? The enemy has a vote too. They're going to learn from our tactics and they're going to adapt as well. So we need to adapt as well. Now, there are people who are making a lot of money from the shooting industry and it's their responsibility to help us. Okay. I don't so have. I'm, in, you, I'm you an accountant, are, guys. I am, my mm. qualification is in accounting. It's not in strategy. I'm not mm. a politician, but I can. I play chess. I can read this stuff. I understand what's going on. Can I say one thing? There was a, an email, and I didn't want to guess, discuss it so much, but I get an email from people saying our makers of rifles, you know, in this country, you know what I mean? Our what would you call them? Our yeah. importers, man, man, manufacturers. manufacturers. That's right, manufacturers or people that import firearms who are making a lot of money in this country off firearms, off the current laws, yet. In, in essence, what he was saying, as Thompson was that you know our manufacturers or importers of those manufactured particular firearms aren't really doing anything and spending any of that money on. Why would you, you rock know? the boat though? If you if you're making money off stuff currently, like you wouldn't want to go and get in trouble with the you know New South Wales Firearms Registry just is to it, play the devil's advocate. Like I'm, I'm not saying that's something. But is it their do, position? But they're the ones that have well, got yeah, yeah, millions they, of dollars. We don't. The average just, doesn't have millions just as of we expect. I guess the SSAA to fight for us. You know, I'd expect. Um, the, uh, the dealers' union to go into fight and try and get the OFA one reclassified in New South Wales to a Category B firearm again. I think it lasted four days, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, last four, yeah four days. Like what the mm. hell is that? Yep. Yeah. Do you have to understand the, the other uh, hindrance we have is the volume of firearms that Australians buy is rookie compared to other places in the world. Okay. To answer your question, Jason. Imagine yourself, you are an importer or a manufacturer, and you've got your sales book there, right? And on one page is private sales to Tom and Joe and Bob and whoever. And, then there's your and on the other contracts. side is the military contracts <laughs> and the police and mean. all of that. Okay, so which one are you going to... It's, hey, that's just business. I'm a man, just of, like I'm I say, a man of principle, That's just politics. Yeah, yeah, sure. How many dealers would have yeah. that deal with the government? Like, I know Naya would probably be yeah. in that sort of case, yeah. but the average, you know... But at least Naya is at least... Or Naya has at least been... As guess, I'm not sure how much their money they've put in, but at least they've been out there and get put advocacy in public. I yeah, mean, I've seen some of their videos online. You know, like we're not going to mention specific manufacturers or anything along yeah. those lines. And no, it was fine because that, no, yeah. I have been out there saying, mm. you know, the, the Adler reclassification and, you know, people blaming them for their video. And, I mean, they've got a right well, to I sell mean, their Jason, products. Jason, you don't have to look any further than to your interview with Robert Nyer, you know, which was a great interview, and he's a fantastic advocate. You know, he's, yeah, he's he'd be about probably the only one that I've seen, and I, and I, now, well, I got me thinking about it, saying, "Well, which manufacturers are 
out there on the front foot. You know, well, spending their money. I mean, we saw. We don't get me wrong. We saw an ad, didn't we, from Beretta? Uh, I think it was the you know, Olympic uh, girl. What was her name? Catherine won, Skinner. Catherine Skinner won the Olympic. But you know, we we need to. I wish we had one of those you know, really rich you know Greg shooters Norman. that Greg know, Norman's a shooter. Yeah, is, is he American or is he Australian? <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed that? He's, I saw it yesterday. Mars is just coughing. We saw it on Instagram where someone shared it the other day. Greg Norman's been posting a lot of um, pictures with his guns. Very yeah. interesting. Greg Norman, the shark, the golfer. Be nice if uh, our combined bodies reached down to him and said, "Hey, can we have an endorsement, or can we have a ten-second video clip?" And yeah, you know, of course, his people will come back and say, "Yeah, it'll be twenty-five thousand dollars." You know, that's 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 how you get endorsements. That's but how it even works. our Olympic. Can, can we really say that Greg Norman's an Aussie? Come on. <laughs> but come on. Back he's saying how, that. how long has he been living in America for? He's an American citizen now. Come can on. I ask you one question though? Right, one question, one very honest question. We've had a lot of Olympic champions over a few, you know, probably five or six. We had Michael Diamond. Well, not a great example, obviously. Um, Catherine Skinner, we've who Russell Mark. I think we have Russell Mark. We've had Susie Balog. I think win medals as well. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anything from any of them yeah, in regards they, to the, the contracts they sign uh, prohibit them from speaking. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've they spoken got, to a, a gag or, competitor. Gag and you're kidding? Why? Yeah, they gag them. Yep. Why? Because well, it's only the Olympics madness. that can be promoted. You know, yeah. when it comes to guns. This is yeah. no. That's it's well, not only it's not only because if you want to compete in the Olympics and win a medal, yeah. you have to shut up. It's it's not only <laughs> guns. It's not only guns. It's any athlete who who's in that Olympic stream. Yeah. The Olympics is a completely corporatized environment. It's a world apart, all of its own. And if you want to play that game, that's the rules you have to follow. That's just how it is. Yeah. <sighs> it's a dead. It's a dead shame, isn't it? Really, mm. that we have Olympic champions that can push. You know that are, that will probably yeah. be interviewed by media, TV, and could have their time in the media to say. Very, very good things in regards to gun owners, but but just don't. Yep. It's very sad, isn't it, really? It's a sad realisation, really. It's a, that's Rupert Murdoch's t- got the media tied up against us, so we just got to beat him. Easy. Yeah. The one thing that I want to talk about, okay, is that does anyone really think that pro-gun parties will ever have a balance of power like, you know, any, for an extended period of time? Like, you know, th- do we honestly believe that? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. But then with, doesn't with the... Bob Catter have the balance of power in Queensland? Am I wrong or right? In, yeah, so, so, what, so cannabis again, do have thing. balance of power. And, uh, so what are the some, achievements again for firearms owners? Again, not much at all. So I'm not saying that they're great. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely well, they, not. The Queensland government has not tabled the NFA changes out of fear that Cata will roll them. So Australia, it's a full, uh, sorry, New South Wales, it's a foregone conclusion. It's gone. Canberra's gone. Uh, WA, I think they gone. did it before. Yeah, there was gone, a, yeah. It yeah. was really dodgy. Mm. Um, but that's one of the things for our coalition to unroll is to say to the WA government what you did in passing that was illegal because Parliament wasn't in session. So take it off and start again. But in Queensland, I have uh, the information I've got is that they're not even bothering to table it because cattle will block it and it'll just be another thing that they look stupid about. So they've just yeah, shelved it for now. But if you've got now. the balance of power, you need to have achievements. I mean, it's, why are we not getting achievements? Okay, here's the thing, Jason. In New South Wales, I've got a lot of hope. I think, I think we've got a lot of hope in New South Wales. And the reason why is because I do think that um, we might have the balance of power in the next election. Okay, now, I, with, with the help of One Nation. Okay, so... Um, but we saw Steve Dixon uh, from Queensland, his, you know, thoughts and policy on firearms, which is pretty poor, but hopefully someone can... But didn't know. they bring out a new firearms policy recently? I watched it the other day. I looked at it the other day. It, I don't, actually, next straight shooting show, we will get it. It has improved slightly, but it's still I a think, bit of a turd, to be I honest. I think in most states, the best hope we can get in <laughs> terms of, of getting the balance of power is to have a coalition of parties that are going to help us. Like, for example, 
the shooters, fishers and farmers combined with One Nation yeah. or someone else uh, to be able to block certain yep. legislation. From I can't wait for the Queensland election to yeah. see what happens. Do, do you think? Do you feel I, that way, Justin? I agree completely. And that's what I've been saying all along. I've, I went and saw that film Dunkirk. And I think it's a great metaphor for what mm. we are facing. We're under attack from every direction and asking for wins or asking for movement. Okay, blocking the NFA is an achievement all of itself. Uh, trying to get semi-autos back, whatever, it, even just getting paintball or airsoft out of the firearms category um, is a, would be a big step in the right yeah, direction. Absolutely. However, you've got to look, okay, Dunkirk was all about the English and the French getting off the beach, right? But if you look at when they hit back at D-Day, it wasn't just the Americans. No matter how many movies you watch, World War II was not won by the Americans, okay? There was English, Irish, French, Polish, Indian, Australian, New Zealand, yes, it was, Canadian. Uh, it was okay? allies. It was allies. With all of these groups working together, some of whom hated each other's guts, okay? Some of these armies had fought each other not so long ago. The Indians were even fighting a civil war to get rid of the British, and yet their troops fought side by side with the British against the Germans in North Africa at the same time. So they set aside this other conflict that was going on in order to fight who the real enemy was. Who are the people who are sinking our ship and we need to all point in the same direction and work together. But me and Mars were talking about this last week, weren't we, I think, before the show, probably two weeks ago, about, you know, let's say we did get suppressors out there. We saw just recently, didn't we, down in South Australia, the new, the new regulations on storage, remember? And there was a gun shop owner. Remember that po- that mm. uh, media yep. release? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, he's going to sell more gun safes. This is great. Yeah, these <laughs> new storage requirements, this is great. This yeah. is great for my business. Fantastic, I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Me. Getting into that, we're going to go into a, a soundbite here from this is... Ray Hadley's morning show on 2GB, and this is a call he had. Is uh, this the apathetic shooter? Actually, it might be. Yes. Roll Let- the tape. Apathetic shooter. All right, you better hear a sound clip from uh, 2GB, Ray Hadley's morning show. Now, this was a shooter, a uh, C-class primary producer that called up in regards to the Adler shotgun. So we're just going to play that, and then we'll come back. Morning, Ray. What can you add to the debate, mate? Ray, I'm a licensed shooter and I have been for 30 years and I'm a farmer and uh, I just think this this Hadler shotgun mm. fits the category of a pump action. Mm. Like, I think the bottom line is we've got the best gun laws in the world. We want to keep that line in the sand all the yeah. time. Yeah, so you, I mean, as a primary producer, you have, have access to the pump action anyone under C or D, obviously. I, I have got a C-class licence, yes. And was it difficult to obtain? Not for me as a farmer, no. But no, so in other words, if you're a primary producer and you've got a problem with feral pigs, you can get one. Yes, and, and if you're a primary producer, I think the uh, whole idea is there that, that you probably need one in a lot of aspects. I, I think you probably do, from what I, I understand. But like I say, I've got no idea what this debate's you know, laboured on for two or three days when there seems to be a sensible explanation if you're a primary producer or a professional shooter, you've already got access to the weapons you require. And I totally agree, Ray, and I think a lot of this is probably the ones that are dealing with this whole situation don't understand what mm. this weapon can do. Like the whole idea of our gun laws in the first place, that pump-action shotguns are the things that people rob banks with and mm. do all that sort of stuff because you can pump off shots, five shots very quickly. Well, this shotgun, to me, is going to be a similar category. All right, the only problem with that is you can already get a five or six-shot Adler with an A-class category, so... 
It's confusing, but I appreciate your point of view, Tony. As a primary producer, as a farmer, it's very important you talk to us. Oh, my gosh. If Ray Hadley is more on the side of freedom than a firearms-owning farmer, we are screwed. <laughs> what a disaster. I know. Well, he did. He basically said, oh, I'm a C-class shooter. It's against the same thing, and I see this. And I know uh, Sean sitting here is not like that at all. He wants to see you know, firearms and semi-autos for the average shooter. Absolutely. But you, as you know, you probably speak to a lot of Category D yourself, and they're like, oh, yeah. no, I've got a genuine reason, but mm. no one else should really have them because I've got a genuine reason. I interviewed one guy that had a Cat yeah. D, and he pretty much said as such. My experience with other guys that have got Cat D, they're, they're pretty, pretty good. Um, you'd probably get about 20% that don't want any competition and, and try to discourage people. But I've, I've met probably close to 20 people that have had a cat, Category D now, and, and I'd have to say in the large majority, they're, they're actually pretty decent. Okay. Mm. But well, it's the, the ones who have a, an opinion that the media want, they're the ones who get on the radio. So they could have had yeah. five people ring up saying, this is all stupid, but the only guy who gets on the air is the one who's going to throw us all under the bus. Oh, 100%. There's yeah, one yeah. for me, but not for thee. Yeah, That's the mantra. Why, where do these, and we were talking about this with suppressors. If Let's say they were to, we have a good result and we get suppressors, even if they're, we put a serial number on them. Me and Muzz were talking a couple of weeks ago about they always find that one white ant far, don't they, yeah. to sell you under the bus. Like, just shut up. I shut know, up. Anyway, listen, farmers are not experts at guns. Sorry to tell you, farmers, but you're not, okay? For the farmers listening, you probably know just as much about guns as the next person, okay? Mm. So, And <laughs> Ray Hadley just proved it. He, was, he had more common sense than the guy who was mm. talking. And you know what? The moment I heard that farmer says, oh, I've been a shooter, I've, I've been having guns for 30 years. You, you, but <laughs> I, the, moment, the moment he had to qualify himself, uh, I knew straight away there's something stupid coming up. And sure enough, it never fails. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's the same, old, um, the same old script that Samantha Lee feeds all the people who are on her side. Uh, Newsflash, update your script. We know the story now. We're wise to it. Give us something else to play with. Yeah. yeah, clearly this guy, was, he's in the minority. Newsflash right. to farmers, guys, even if you've got a Cat C or a Cat D, they're coming for your guns too. It'll just take a little bit longer. It yep. might be your grandkids or it might be their kids, but they'll put them all into Cat F or whatever it is that they make up and it'll all be prohibited and the Greens will have you and you'll be looking out at a desert wasteland and the Greens will be happy and you'll have nothing. You'll be moving to the city. <laughs> It'll be category <laughs> F and U. <laughs> Next up, we've got an audio soundbite from Rebecca Peters. Now, you know Rebecca Peters. Uh, I'm not sure if she still is part of IANSA, but uh, she very much dislikes our firearms ownership. Now, this interview was from The Drum, uh, where she talks about the spirit and the meaning of the NFA. So we'll listen to that, and then we'll come back and discuss it. The, the National Firearms Agreement that we got after Port Arthur, it wasn't one national gun law. It was an agreement that all the states and territories changed their laws to meet a certain standard. So it was much higher than anyone had before. But there's no mechanism for making sure that the states and territories don't water down their laws. So, for example, um, an important principle of the, the National Firearms Agreement originally was that it was uh, one principle was to stop the accumulation of arsenals around in private homes around Australia. So part of that to, to to stop that was the requirement that 
each gun purchased be examined by the, the, the licensing authorities, uh, and that involved a 28-day waiting period for every gun purchase. And in that 28-day waiting period, it's partly a cooling-off period, but also it, it's for investigations, not just check your criminal record, but talk to local police about what circumstances might have changed. Talk to your references, talk to your family doctor. Several states have now cancelled that 28-day waiting period for the second and subsequent gun. So it means that if you got the green light for your first gun, then it's green light for, the, for all of them. And last year, some Freedom of Information um, uh, data came out showing that there have begun to be arsenals. There are people in Australia who've got several hundred guns in their houses. Really? Uh, someone in New South Wales has more than 300 guns in their houses. Legally, I said, legally purchased. Uh, um, legally, legally registered yes, and owned. Sure. Yes. And, so, and that's the kind of... That is, that's completely against the spirit of the, of the agreement. All right, guys, there you go. We, that was uh, Rebecca Peters on the drum. Uh, talking about arsenals, talking about the spirit when of are they gonna, the National Firearms Agreement. When are they going to defund uh, ABC? That's <laughs> yeah. what I want to know. <laughs> sooner rather, soon than, enough. La- sooner yeah. rather than later, I hope. But uh, what do you guys think? I mean, we talk about arsenals. We've already spoken yeah, about this a lot but- before in regards to how, how many guns we're going to be able to own in the future, how much ammunition restrictions, yep. etc. This is another tactic that they are going – this is another front that they are going to open up in this war on us, and that is the number of guns you can have. And they're going to come across very reasonably. It's going to be well-reasoned and well-researched. You don't need to have 300 guns. That's a dangerous. What if they got stolen? And it's, yeah. they're going to come for you and they're going to say, like they've done with the mass shooting numbers, they keep rigging the number of victims you have to have to classify it as a mass shooting. What's a reasonable number? Well, first it'll be 10, okay? And all the people who have less than 10 guns are going to say, well, it doesn't affect me, so screw you lot who have more, hey? Eh? Because yeah. that's what's happened before. Unless we unite against this... And they, they, these people know how to do it. They've got all the research. They know the psychiatry. They are going to try and divide us. They'll do a grandfather clause to say, okay, if you have more than 10 guns, we'll give you a permit so you can keep them. But when you die, you have to surrender them and your kids can't buy more. So yeah. that'll, that'll buy off the people who are really being attacked. And then the people who aren't will just say, oh, well, it doesn't affect me. Like that farmer who threw everybody else under the bus. Yeah. Well, I'm not a farmer, but I want to, I want to use a seven-shot Adler. I'm not a danger to the public. No, I just want one. He's got a genuine need. Yeah, and I've got a genuine <laughs> need too. Okay? But this, this is, I'm telling you guys, I'm laying that it out. That was tongue-in-cheek, by the it's way. Like, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. Okay? It's just like watching another pe- pair of people play a chess game. I can see this, how it's going to play out. Okay, and the only way we can stop it is if we wake up and realise that they are shooting holes in the boat, and we need to plug it. Yeah, I'd just like to point out that she goes, um, "There's you know 300 uh, guns in some arsenals, and um, still no mass shootings from those guns." Yes, mm. exactly. And we spoke a lot about New Zealand. Most of those are well. collectors, anyway. Yeah, yeah, probably deactivated some of them too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which they, they conveniently don't mention. Yeah, <laughs> but that wasn't. She talks about a lot about the spirit of what the National Firearms Agreement was supposed to be. I mean, yeah. one, how? I mean, how would she know? I guess, but you unless know, she, she wrote it, yeah, well, she could. Nineteen ninety-five. Talking about the spirit of something, I mean, that's very open-ended, isn't it? Oh, very open-ended. I mean, what is the spirit of the mm. National Firearms yeah. Agreement? How it's touchy feely. Restricting law-abiding firearms owners. It's exactly. <laughs> you see how she understands the touchy feely nature of her audience. You guys, you got to see this for what it is. This is expertly done. 
She doesn't talk facts and figures. She doesn't talk logic because her audience is not interested in that. Her audience is interested in emotions and she taps the emotions beautifully. She's not specific. She talks about the spirit. Then she brings in a little bit of fear and then she rounds it off to say it's we, we want to embrace the spirit of the original agreement. It's called propaganda. And she's an expert at it, and we need to wake up and realise that we are being outplayed. Next up, we've got... uh, This was actually on the Bolt Report. Now, I've had this guy on before. He's a lecturer at the University of South Australia, Dr. Keston Green. He does some work with the Crime Prevention Research Centre with John Lott, and uh, he was on the Bolt Report, and we're going to play that now. And it was quite interesting because actually the initial intro from Andrew Bolt was quite interesting as well, so we'll play that now. Look, I want to deal with something that had me arguing here last night for something that actually makes me uneasy and it's something I'm not actually sure I should support. In fact, I got chewed out a bit at lunch today by someone. Sorry about that. Um, it's guns. More, more guns at home. Keeping more guns at home. Here's the background. Where I live, Victoria... Rates of violent crime and home invasions, carjacking, they're they're exploding. It's a huge problem. A lot of people are anxious. And from my point of view, I mean, add add the threats that I get, and I admit a gun at home would make me feel a little bit safer, even if my wife would have kittens. So I was intrigued about a story that I raised here yesterday, a a recent report in a local paper, of an attempted hijacking in Melbourne. You have got three men armed with iron bars trying to hijack a car. One opens the driver's door while the others bash the car. Very scary. And yet, these guys flee after one of the passengers challenges them. How unusual. Well, a colleague of mine, Andrew Rule, investigated, turns out, and the police didn't want to admit this, The reason the three armed men ran away was that the passenger was a policewoman who whipped out a pistol. You and I, we wouldn't have that gun, so we'd have been robbed and probably bashed. Who knows? Could be worse. But would really having a gun make us safer or just put us in greater danger of being shot ourselves? Joining me is an academic, an expert in forecasting methods, who has researched exactly that question. Dr. Keston Green is a senior lecturer at the University of South Australia. Uh, Keston, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, The the basic uh, question really is, more guns, less crime? More guns, less crime. Yes, that's the the title of of, of my colleague and the uh, the director of the Crime Prevention Research Centre's original uh, book or early book on the topic, John Lott. And uh, the title uh, is a very good summary of of the evidence, of the experimental evidence on the effect of gun regulations. What is the evidence then? What is is the evidence? Well, the evidence is that where uh, the the access of uh, ordinary citizens to firearms is reduced, then violent crime rates um, increase, and conversely... When uh, ordinary people are uh, able to, to uh, you know, carry, own and, and, and carry uh, firearms, then uh, murder rates, rape rates, home invasion rates um, and, and um, you know, armed robbery rates decline. 
But that's counterintuitive, isn't it, really, Kirsten? I mean, you'd think there are more guns out there. Uh, any two-bit crook can then uh, stick you up on the way to the milk bar or something. I mean, why, why is the result actually the opposite? Where, where have you seen this work out? Uh, I, I see. Well, you're counter counterintuitive. Well, you know, both, um, you know, in theory, both things might, might be true, mightn't they? Um, um, we, well, I think we're exposed to, to media coverage that has been, um, for many years, decades, has, has been uh, you know, very anti-guns. Uh, so situations where uh, you know, guns have, have um, um, helped people or, re or, or meant that people have been um, safer are underreported and uh, any incident involving you know, guns where something bad happens uh, is, is highlighted. Um, so you know, it's natural that we should think that more guns around are uh, um, a problem for us, a, a, a threat for us. But you can also think about it from the point of view of, well, if, if um, the government regulates um, firearms um, and controls the access to them, restricts access to them, um, it comes up with regulations about uh, licensing and storage and, and so on and so forth. Who are the people that, that abide by those regulations? Well, you know, of course, it's the, the, the law-abiding uh, you know, people. Um, you know, we know that, um, that even when there are gun bans, that, uh, that criminals, you know, people with bad intent, uh, manage to get hold of firearms. And even where they haven't got a hold of firearms... The, you know, the, 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 uh, the counterintuitive angle here is, is that, of course, they're, they're, they're stronger and more aggressive than um, many law-abiding citizens, uh, women, older people, uh, you know, people who aren't uh, uh, natural fighters. So the, these, you know, the rest of us are made vulnerable to you know, violent criminals, whether or not they've got access to guns. Now, in America, so, of course, uh, it's got, you know, some states with very tough gun controls and, well, relatively, in American terms anyway, and others with very weak. Do you see any correlation or, uh, between that and, and crime in, in America? Well, well this is, is um, where a lot of the evidence comes from because American states and even down at a, at a county level, there is uh, a lot of variation in, in uh, gun regulation. And uh, gun regulations have got, uh, got more and less restrictive um, at different times and in different places. So this provides a natural experiments where uh, you can assess the effects of those, of those policies with a lot of data, 50 states, um, a lot of counties over a long period of time. And, and, and the pattern is uh, consistent. That uh, free, freeing up access to firearms from law-abiding people, the more um, you know, law-abiding you know, citizens in the community who uh, have access to, to firearms uh, legally, uh, the, the lower the crime rates. I mean, the, the big uh, um, violent crime, um, you know, gun crime um, included areas in, in the US are the ones that have had um, the, the harshest uh, restrictions on on guns, Chicago, uh, you know, New York City, Washington D.C., you know, for example, have, have uh, notorious problems. And, yes, and uh, uh, Chicago yeah, the... right now is looking a bit like a war zone with the gun crime over the last couple of years. And I guess you know, uh, it, if you were a burglar, you'd think uh, twice 
before uh, trying to, uh, particularly over the home invasion, going into a house where you might get shot. But listen, uh, let me just then put to well, you quite, the quite counter argument. Yeah, it, it, yeah almost, it, almost it almost disappears, the, the home in, in, in invasion, um, if the, the burglars know that, um, the, 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 that there might be someone in that home um, who has a firearm. Um, and, you know, what, what, what's more is any attempt to, to regulate the, the homeowner having a, a access to a firearm, for example, uh, storage of, of ammunition separately and so on, uh, results in an increase of invasion because the, you know, the, the burglars uh, know, the home invaders know that uh, good law-abiding people in, in a nice suburb that's worth uh, um, in, in, invading and, and burgling um, they're going to be following the law and they'll have everything locked away safely and won't be able to access their firearm. Hmm. But listen, uh, let me put you then uh, to you the, uh, the counter-arguments. John Howard, as Prime Minister two decades ago, passed tough new gun laws after the terrible Port Arthur massacre. Now, he says they, his laws have made us safer. Let me just play you uh, some of what he said. It is incontestable that gun-related homicides have fallen quite significantly in Australia. Incontestable. I mean, if you had 13 mass shootings before Port Arthur and you had none since, isn't that evidence? And if you had a 74% fall in the gun-related suicide rates, isn't that evidence? Now, John Howard's right, isn't he, Kirsten? 13 mass shootings before his tougher laws, none since. So, uh, case closed? Uh, no, no, not at all. I mean, the, the gun homicide rate um, up to, to 1996 had, had been declining uh, steadily for, uh, well, you know, up, up and down, but decline, a declining trend up until 1996. So it was already declining. Um, after the, 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 the gun uh, you know, restrictions and the massive buyback, in which um, about a third of the firearms... Um, in Australia were, were uh, bought back by the government and destroyed, uh, you, you would expect a massive decline, I would have thought, um, in, the, uh, in, in the gun homicide rate. But in, in fact, it, it continued to decline, but at a slower rate. Oh, what about so the rather, fall in gun-related suicides? And, and, and the fall in gun-related suicides was similar. Um, you know, that was declining. It was also a small proportion of the, uh, the suicide rate. Um, the general, you know, the non-firearm uh, suicide rate was, was increasing before the buyback and it, it increased more strongly afterwards, uh, whereas the, uh, the, 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 the firearm suicide rate, uh, as I say, de continued to decline, uh, but at, at, at a more modest rate. Well, so you know, the, these uh, results what, what, are completely but, you know, count, you know, counter the, the theory behind the, the, the buyback and the, and the regulation. So the average before and the average after doesn't, uh, you know, isn't relevant. What's relevant is what happened to the, to the trends. All right. Well, what about the uh, advice that I get, hey, uh, Andrew, settle down, uh, don't get yourself a gun. You, you might think you're safer, but... Come the crunch, crook breaks in, you hold up your gun, you're a law-abiding guy, you don't like shooting people, you've never done it before, the crook sees your hesitation, grabs the gun, shoots you. 
Uh, well, well, these are these are uh, little, little stories that, that people you know propose, and, and and you know of course it's it's possible that, that that's right, but that you know that's why the experimental. Uh, you know, evidence from natural experiments in, in the US and, and elsewhere are so valuable. When you change the, re, the, the restrictions and increase access to, to firearms for law-abiding uh, people, um, and, and, and the you know, ownership rate among law-abiding people goes up, then these violent crimes decline. Uh, you know, for a starter, I mean, just to look at your, your scenario there, um, the, 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 you, you're less likely to have someone in, in, invade your home. But also, you know, Andrew, um, you know, I think you know, mo mo most of us, and, and this is the, is, is, is the case in the US as well, you know, aren't really interested in, in uh, owning a handgun or, or walking around with a, a pistol in our, in our pocket. But you know, we don't actually need to um, in order to get the benefits. Uh, yeah. you know, people who really feel that, 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 that uh, they would be safer or that it's their, their duty because, you know, perhaps they come from a, a military or police background or, or, or you know, they, they feel, you know, responsible, um, you know, in some way, um, you know, will we'll be inclined to, to do so. And... Um, of course, the bad guys don't know, um, you know who these people are. So in any true, kind of true. public situation, whether it's um, the, Lint, the Lint Cafe or, or um, um, you know, walking down the, down the street or at some kind of public event, um, it's the ununiformed ordinary citizens who, who um, you know, may or may not uh, be carrying a firearm that are, that are what the bad guys have got to be afraid of. And, Kirsten so, Green, you make uh, good sense there. I must say that uh, probably never felt as safe as I did in Israel, where it seemed every second person was carrying a gun. Uh, you kind of knew that if anyone went amok, they wouldn't last too long. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. No worries. I should reassure my wife I'm not coming home tonight with an armory. So, <laughs> uh, But anyway, there you go, for you to decide. You just heard from uh, the Bolt Report, Keston Green. Uh, on the Bolt Report, Justin? Andrew Bolt said it's counterintuitive, and he, in his mind he would have assumed that the more guns out there, the more crime there is. And in doing so, he falls into a very common trap that the media exploits relentlessly, and that is they fail to differentiate between legal guns and illegal guns. And they have no idea how many armed criminals there are walking around out there day to day because... Nobody is doing the research. None of the criminals are going to say, oh, yes, Mr. Researcher, I do carry a gun. Mick Gatto got off a charge of having an unlicensed sawn-off shotgun in his toilet some time ago because he said to the judge, I was in trouble with the Colombian drug smugglers <laughs> and it. I feared for my life and the judge <laughs> accepted it, gave him a $2,500 fine, which he probably paid in cash out of his wallet. Yeah, yeah, here you go. <laughs> there's, my, uh, there's my fine. The issue is there are so, the, there's illegal guns flooding into Australia. They are used in Marylands and Bankstown and Melbourne to enforce drug debts. We all know this. But the media has this bias, this mantra, that fails to distinguish between the legally held, law-abiding, responsible firearms ownership and the criminal class. Yeah, exactly. So if you go off the last 20 years of um, propaganda that we've been getting from the media, um, you know, you'd be forgiven to think that there's more guns, there's more crime. But, I mean, if, if you even bother to look up the statistics, everywhere you see where there's more, more legal gun ownership allowed for self-defence, the, the crime rates are, are dropped. Yeah. Well, Andrew Bolt 
Jason and Justin, um, Andrew Bolt has been uh, producing quite a few favourable pro-gun comments over the last couple of years. And I think, to be honest, uh, Andrew is uh, is fairly pro-gun. I think uh, by just by the way he made that introduction in terms of um, the policewoman having the firearm and then saying, well, what would happen to you and me? We'd mm. probably get bashed and robbed. You know what I mean? It just seems like uh, the gun prevented uh, the crime in the first place. I mean, yep. he understands the issue, and he even said that he, he'd he feel a lot more safer, even though his wife would have kittens, if he had a gun at home. So I think Andrew Bolt is, uh, is, is fairly pro-gun, to be honest. The type of Republican Party, I guess, in America pro- type pro-gun. But support I, second member. I think he's stuff. changed his opinion quite a bit because remember there yeah. was that I think interview and, and we Jason, played with um, and for him to have uh, Professor Keston Green on the show shows that he's quite willing to explore that idea and give people a platform. Yeah, I remember when he did, interviewed I think it was Borzak from the Shooters Party. Remember yeah. some time ago, and he was said, "Oh, well, you don't want to see people with AK forty sevens." And so, I mean, that was a couple of years ago now. So, I never know. Maybe he has changed. Maybe his opinion has changed. We want to see people with AK forty sevens. Just for the record. <laughs> Are they accurate? You have an AK? Yeah, yeah. I've actually shot some stuff out to uh, 325 metres with open sights is, is the longest shot. Is it, do you get a good group with that? Or? Oh, it's probably big. I mean, that might have been more luck than skill, but um, I, I can <laughs> say that I've done it. And I was actually able to ride the bike up and I, I actually uh, tested the distance with the uh, taco on the bike. Yeah. Nice. So, what do you reckon? Bolt be a supporter of shooters or not really? What do you think? I think he could be if, if, our, if we get enough people to politely put our, yeah, our case to him. It can happen. Next up, we've got, uh, this was Steve Price, 2GB. Now, this was Bill Patterson, uh, Combined Firearms Council of Victoria. Myself and Mario have spoken with Neil Jenkins quite a fair bit. Now, we've already spoken to Neil uh, prior, I guess, haven't we, Muzz, to, to yeah. putting this up. We've had a discussion about uh, this is sort of what you don't do when you actually go, especially on 2GB. Actually, Jason, this might be the first time in living history on AHP where we've had two segments of Apathetic Shooter. And this is the second one. Apathetic shooter. <laughs> and going on from this, we're going to play right now. This is uh, Bill Patterson, Combined Firearms Council, Steve Price on 2G. But you guys have a listen first, and then we'll, and then we'll discuss it. Bill Patterson's more experienced in this area than I am, President of the Combined Firearms Council of Victoria. Thanks for your time. Pleasure, Steve. Do you keep a loaded weapon at home? No, certainly not. Uh, on two counts, one, it is not a safe thing to do, and two, it is illegal, uh, quite illegal to keep a loaded gun in your house. Uh, to get a gun in Victoria, to get a firearms licence, you have to have a genuine reason, and one reason which is not accepted is um, uh, personal protection. I suspect what we were hearing in not those calls there in particular, but in general, Bill, was people who have somehow managed to purchase a weapon on the black market. Would you think that's possible? Uh, no. The calls I heard, I thought they were probably people who had uh, guns uh, quite legally, but the, instead of keeping them unloaded um, in their gun safe, uh, they had decided they were going to uh, keep them uh, loaded next to their bed uh, for self-defence. And as I say, that is just not desirable. How dangerous is it to have a loaded weapon in the thinking that you might have someone break into your house. I mean, presumably that situation could go very badly very quickly. Very badly, very quickly. And uh, the sort of uh, long arms that we have, shotguns and rifles, 
they're very cumbersome to use in those situations. Aside from anything else, particularly if you've got children in the house, just not a good idea to leave a loaded firearm around at all. I mean, if you've got it there every night, and you have to have it every night if it's really to protect you from a uh, home invasion, uh, one day you're going to forget about it and uh, the kids will find it just not a good idea. I know where I live, uh, the local paper was reporting that the local sports store had sold out of baseball bats. Um, yep, I, I'm all in favour of a baseball bat, but certainly not a gun. So, I mean, I'm talking to you in your role as uh, President of the Combined Firearms Council of Victoria. You're saying it's not a good idea to have a weapon, a, a gun. It's not a good idea to have a gun. Certainly not a good idea. Not a good idea, uh, not really very practical and uh, illegal. If you use a gun in self-defence and you were to kill someone, my understanding of the law in both New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland's a bit different, is that a person is not criminally responsible if the person carries out the conduct constituting the offence in self-defence. But you still have to prove that it was in self-defence, don't you? You still have to prove it's in self-defence. Can I give you an example? A friend of mine who's got a lot of firearms came home, found a burglar in his house, grabbed his cricket bat, which was readily available, convinced the burglar to lie on the floor until the police came and was pretty amazed when the police suggested they might be charging him for assault. They no. <laughs> yes. Seriously? Well, the police have this view that, you know, the best action is not to fight back at all. I don't agree with that. I think that just, you know, criminals go for the softest target. You know, as soon as banks became uh, an impregnable target, they went to 4711s. They went to um, petrol stations. When car systems meant that you couldn't just steal a car off the road, criminals started stealing car keys, not cars. Home invasions at the moment are the simplest and less risky because people don't fight back. And that's the issue, I think. Back on fire. Fighting back with extreme force with firearms, definitely not a good idea. Back on firearms, who's legally able to have a gun and what sort of gun can you have? Legally, you have to have a reason to have a firearm, and that can be hunting, uh, sport shooting, you know, target shooting, etc. Um, as I say, if you put on the genuine reason form, I want to protect myself, you certainly won't get a gun license. And when you do get a license, it is tagged to the sort of things which you say is a genuine reason. So if you say, I'm going to shoot clay targets, you'll get a license for a shotgun. If you say, I'm going to shoot pigs, you'll get a license for a centrefire rifle. Uh, Victorian gun laws are some of the strongest in the world, and they're highly effective. They, they really work very well. We're, we're constantly at the government. You know, the, the simple answer every time there's some sort of an issue is the government says we're going to tighten the gun laws. When you actually look at it, that Monas in Sydney, totally illegal use of the gun. There was no way he was ever licensed. This bloke in Brighton the other day, the fact he was on parole for um, violence means there was no way he could have had a gun license. So obviously illegally obtained. Our gun laws are remarkably effective. I, uh, I wonder if we did some digging, whether we'd find, Bill, has there been an increase in applications for gun licences in Melbourne, in, uh, in greater metropolitan Melbourne, because of the incidents of, of violent crime and whether people are just putting down that they've just joined the local you know, sporting shooters club or, or they're going to shoot rabbits on their Uncle Ben's property? I, I would hope not. 
Um, difficult to see. Uh, gun ownership is growing uh, at the moment, has been for some time, uh, but uh, we certainly advocate responsible gun ownership and anything going down the path of um, uh, self-protection and, and using it against criminals is not in the long-term interests of uh, gun owners at all. And you're supposed to, under uh, your gun licence, have your weapon locked in a gun safe separate from your ammunition. Is that how it works? That is right, yes. And the ammunition's got to be in a separate container with a different lock. And the logic of that was if you suddenly cracked it completely with the wife and you thought, right, I'm going to go and shoot her, you couldn't just go to the cupboard and grab a loaded gun. You had to go down get, you know, the gun out of the safe, get a different key, get the ammunition. And by the time that this has all happened, the logic was hopefully it would have cooled down and it uh, wouldn't work. Uh, so there are very tight laws. You cannot... The old days of having a loaded snake gun by the back door in a, in a country farm have long gone. And what would your message finally be, uh, Bill, to the chap I heard who rang Neil Mitchell this morning saying he had a loaded revolver in a locked box with a combination lock on it in his house where he's got two children under 10. Well, good luck if it's two in the morning and you've got uh, half a dozen uh, blokes suddenly storm your bedroom to operate the combination lock, get it out and uh, be able to use it before they don you. Uh, again, I, uh, I think this just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Thanks for giving us a bit of time tonight, Bill. Appreciate it. Pleasure, Steve. Bill Thanks. Patterson there, President of the Combined Firearms Council of... Well, there you go, guys. We just heard from uh, Bill Patterson, Combined Firearms Council of Victoria. I say disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful, and they need to get rid of this guy as soon as possible. If you haven't... Gun laws are effective. (laughs) He didn't say it once, but twice. Oh, no, you shouldn't have a firearm for self-defence. Baseball bats. Baseball bats, bats, okay. Okay. Bashing them in the head and cracking their skull up. No problem. But, hey, shooting them, that's too This stuff actually makes me mad. It really does. It really makes my blood boil that these people are the ones that are advocating for us. Jason, when I first heard this interview, I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. Is this guy representing us? Is this – I haven't heard not one thing that he said that was positive about gun ownership. Not one thing. And when it comes to, like, train wrecks of interviews, that has got to be – the mother of all train wrecks. Let yeah. me tell you, I felt bad yeah. at being a gun owner after listening to that. I, I was um, I was shocked when I heard heard this um, interview. I'd only just recently uh, uh, donated to Combined Firearm Council as well, too, like two weeks beforehand, and then I heard this garbage come on on the radio, and um, I, I I don't know what to, to say from it. You know, is this guy on our side? It's mystifying, <laughs> isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's okay to defend yourself, just don't do it with a gun, like. And he, people, did not, he did not say one positive thing about gun ownership. He just exactly. threw, us, he threw us under a bus. Exactly. Maybe he's a primary he producer with a cat see. He thrown us mm. under a bus and, you know, oh, no, gun ownership, no, not a good idea, no. Yeah, no, there's <laughs> genuine reasons. Mm. I mean, this sort of stuff, people think we like doing this, hey, but this is the advocacy we've got going for us. People need to know about this information because these are the people that are supposedly uh, advocating and defending your gun mm. rights. I mean, if that's defence of my gun rights, I might as well just go and hand them in because if that's the, the calibre, and I feel sorry for Neil Jenkins because we did speak to Neil Jenkins, didn't we, yeah. um, um, after that, and I said, what the hell is this? Well, and he, he called me immediately. And I said, mate, get this guy out of the media at all costs. I mean, I hope 
and I've never heard Neil say these types of things. So hopefully Neil was someone maybe that could take over and never allow this to happen again. But apparently it's a coalition mm. of, of, of organisations and people that are involved with uh, Combined Firearms Council, as far as I'm aware. What you experienced was somebody with cognitive dissonance and that, that wedded to an ideology that they can't support or that reality is undermining. Um, the idea that we can't defend ourselves with a gun but we can defend ourselves with a baseball bat. I just want you to imagine you've got three guys from Samoa in your house and their <laughs> average weight is 150 kilos, okay? Now, I weigh 85, okay? So they've got a lot of weight on me yeah, already, right? me too. They're desperate. <laughs> they are not afraid of going to jail yeah. because they go to the court and the judge says, you poor thing community service, okay, or just turns them loose straight away, okay. So they're not afraid of going to jail, and yet um, sorry, what was that guy's name? Patterson? Bill Patterson. Bill, Patterson. Sorry, Bill Patterson. You want me to approach within arm's reach of these guys and yeah. swing a baseball bat in the small confines of my hallway. You better not miss. Hang, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. <laughs> just wait a second. What did you say it was cumbersome to wield a firearm? It was cumbersome to wield a firearm in the confines of because your house. if there were rifles and, and... But you want me to use a shotguns? baseball bat. Hang on a minute. Just let's apply some critical thinking here, okay? I can, I can be in my bed and I can say to them, I've got a gun and if you don't leave, I'll fire it. Whatever, okay? That might be a threat that works. Okay, they just, they ran away from the policewoman who had her gun in the car. She didn't have to fire it. Okay, but you want me to approach within arm's reach and then swing a baseball bat, which these guys can grab and then use against me. But you don't want me to have a standoff weapon, which is a firearm, mm. which I can use from a safe distance, dude. I don't know what you've been smoking, but I want some too because it must be pretty good stuff. But, but don't forget, Justin, you're likely to forget about it and yeah. just leave your loaded guns all over the place. Yeah. And Kids I'm, might get access to them. I've actually got a really good example of that. Like <laughs> A few years ago, only two streets over from where I used to, to live, um, a, a guy had a home invasion. He went down to confront them and he actually got his arm cut off by a machete. And he died. Jesus. You know what I mean? And that was like two or three streets over from where I used to live. And that, that's sort Christ. of what prompted us to move out of the area. Oh, why? You know? Oh, so much know. cultural enrichment. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know? well, and he says, it, oh, they're going to get access to it. I mean, we all know there's fingerprint safes that are easily accessible, that are not accessible to children, can be opened up post-haste. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a null and void argument about safe storage. Why is it so hard for these knobs to represent us? I mean, why can't he just get on Steve Price and say, yeah, Steve Price, the laws are very strict, and they really don't need to be for law, lawful, legal, law-abiding mm. gun owners. With adequate training, gun owners can effectively defend themselves. It's done everywhere around the world. We trust police um, officers to do it every we, day. We, we trust police officers all the time, and uh, the, the average pistol shooter out there uh, does goes through a lot of stringent training. So you've already bet, just done a better job I, already. I've already just done a better job in, yeah, in, in, in about ten seconds. In about ten seconds. <laughs> look, look at um, <laughs> David Lineholm when he gets in the media. And, and, and this, you know? this is off the cuff. Like I mean, this guy yeah. is supposed to be you know well spoken, representing us, and so on, and. He like threw, it's a shame we have to I, I do this, isn't not. it? Really, isn't it? Yeah. It really Jason, is a tr- Jason, true shame. Jason, in that interview, he threw us under the bus like about seven yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. Like about I, seven times. I don't think he threw us under the bus. He threw us under a Mack truck with a dog <laughs> with, with the dog behind it, I and I rolled under all forty-eight sets of tires. Yeah. How many tires? With, they with have. a full load on the truck too. Yeah, and a full load. Yeah. I'm now a full load of BS. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's just sad, isn't it? Really, a, and I and I think why can't people just grasp? It just goes to show they don't grasp gun ownership. This is the point of this show i guess it's a foreign concept in australia self-defense 
You know what I mean? People just aren't... Nation uh, of victims. Yeah, they're, they're not just not prepared to accept the fact mm. that they can take responsibility mm. for their own now, that's, that's a It's a strong delusion. Like, trying to wake people up, that's a real red pill thing mm. because if you have the illusion of safety, when that gets shattered, that can be a traumatic experience. But people are waking up. These, all of these home invasions, all these drive-by shootings, every time that's in the news, the media tries to spin it as, uh, you know, this is bad, gun's bad, okay. Mm. But really, it, anybody who's thinking about it, anybody who knows somebody who's had their arm cut off or who's had a home invasion or a carjacking, they, they're starting to wake up and realise, hang on a minute, 20 years ago, it might have been appropriate to restrict all these firearms. But like, um, what's his name, Price said, yeah, times have changed. Price, yeah. Times have changed, and now we need to talk about self-defence in a completely different but mature notice, and calm manner. Did you notice that they're talking about all these issues down there, but then still, oh, no, it's getting bad down here, but mm, we shouldn't yeah. have reasons no. for self-defence. That's what they're yeah. saying. We're having the discussion, but mm, we're not at that point yet. We're but, not at that point to be able to defend ourselves. But not only that, Jason, did you notice that he didn't even advocate for non-lethal self-defence in terms of pepper spray and so on? Well, he, he did, did he, with a baseball, baseball bat. Oh, so there's, no, there's one person... It's, it's not actually <laughs> non-lethal. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but what I'm trying to say is, right, is that he didn't even... <laughs> try and promote the idea to Steve Price that, hey, if law-abiding gun owners have a license to have a firearm, a real gun, well, surely enough, that, that license should be enough to have a, a can of pepper spray or some other form of non-lethal self-defense so yeah. that people Only can... Only a baseball bat. You know, he didn't even That's advocate it. for that. Like, I mean, it's just an absolute... Here we go. Let me, let me read this one out. Da- Daniel Edmonds, proving need... This is on Facebook. Proving need... To a, uh, to a subjective bureaucratic standard has no place in a free society. You don't need alcohol, fatty foods, cars, electricity, rock climbing, bicycling, certain risky sexual practices, air travel, smoking, etc. And a million of other potentially risky activities for survival. The whole issue of this type of firearm is a total furphy in my opinion. Every single type of gun is lethal in the wrong hands. Conversely, every single type of gun is safe in the right hands. Given my squeaky clean criminal history and decades of safe firearm skills with manual loading long arms and semi-automatic pistols, the only justification I should... Need for a semi-auto long arm is I want one. This yeah, is a, this is just yeah. an average guy off Facebook. Maybe maybe we should get Daniel. Yeah, I'll say his name, better. Daniel Edmonds. Perhaps we should get him in charge of the. Uh, <laughs> He'd do you a know? ten times better job. I mean, it's oh, just a show. It's just it's just more sad than anything, isn't it? But you know what, J- Jason, and this is where we talk about. Okay, we all speak. Got to work towards the same goal. Speak with the one voice. Have a look at how many so-called pro-gun people have thrown us under the bus yeah, in the media yeah. over the last couple of years. I mean, easily a dozen. I mean, that me and you, over the last several years that we've been doing the show, uh, we speak about it all the time. And this is what's wrong. The representation that we get is woeful. It's tragic. It's, it's just unbelievable. You, you feel like yeah, crying. But, but what they end up that. saying is, oh, that, what we always get, oh, you think you could do a better job? Um, yeah. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I do. All four of us at the table, you could do a better job. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mind it's saying that. I don't want to sound arrogant, but yeah, yeah, I could. 100%. Oh, geez, it's funny. All right, well, let's yeah. move on to the next segment. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories, and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. We're going to segue into a conversation about One Nation. Now, we know they got uh, several people. Was it three people? 
guys, I think, in uh, WA Parliament uh, in the upper house there. And I wrote, I wrote on, on a Facebook page, you have to look in what's in the best interest of shooters and the best representation. And obviously we know in WA, we got, what have we got? One Liberal Democrat. We've got the one yeah. SFP backup, Rick Mazza. And we've got three One Nation candidates in WA. So that's five representation. And I said, there's no way either Liberal Democrats or SFP would have got extra three people. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, that's it's, right. it's common sense and seems some people don't get it. I said, we now have five people in Parliament in WA representing shooters, which is a great result. Now, a person that will name, you know, uh, remain nameless says, oh, another excuse used by vote splitters, or saying splitters, but vote splitters. I don't agree with that at all. What, what do you think? I mean, obviously, we need good representation. Uh, we're getting that, hopefully, going to get that in WA. We're going to have five people, hopefully, working together on pro-firearms issue, which is fantastic. And, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're Liberal, Democrats, you're SFP, or you're One Nation. We, but those two parties would never have got that many people up. It's, you yeah. know, give all the votes to SFP, they wouldn't have got the people up. Give yeah. all the votes to LDP they wouldn't have got the people up. Mm. So now we've got five. I'm, I'm not too fussed about people calling me names. Like, I'm going to vote for the person or the party that I think has got the best um, uh, firearm p- policy, regardless of what people call me, you know? so Yeah, and, and I wanted to, this, was the, this was the part I was talking about. Uh, I got a, a message from, I'll say his name, Stephen. Uh, he said, heard your last podcast where you wanted feedback on a topic. How about the exclusionary racist ideology of most shooters dividing the community? Many shooters are immigrants, many are Asian, many are Muslim, many are from the Middle East, and supporting filth like One Nation has a primary policy of excluding groups from society because they are pro-gun. It's stupid and proof of how worthless Australian shooters are. Australian shooters, especially Queenslanders, are hateful hillbillies who would vote in trash like One Nation before Lib Dems or SFFP. The only reason One Nation is supporting gun laws now, whatever that means since their policy until a week ago was to continue the norm, is because they noticed how many hillbilly rednecks that they can gather support from by doing so, not because they actually care about shooters. Well, Stephen, I don't know. That's it. Thanks for your feedback as well. But listen, we interview many people here on the show. Um, we, yeah, it's up to you what you decide to do with the information. We've interviewed what SFP, LDP, One Nation, National, uh, potentially someone from the the LNP very soon might be coming up on the show. But I'll release that possibly a bit later. You know, I don't think it's exclusionary. It's up to you what you decide to do with the information. I mean, we've got more shooters representing shooters in Parliament. Yeah, they might not be the best representative of shooters, but I guess some of them in every way, shape, or form, our politicians have said sometimes something along the line that may not have been pro-gun so i guess we're just gonna wait and see but it's up to you with the information that you decide you want to do with it not for me to tell you how to deal with it or who to vote for that's up to you yeah he seemed to say um hillbilly like it was a bad thing too by the way i just thought i'd point that out <laughs> what about poor queenslanders i mean the poor i know that we've got several a lot of queenslanders that listen to this show and uh you know i mean i wouldn't call them redneck hillbillies i mean you know they're you know we we we, we fight them in state of origin and us new south welshmen end up losing like what nine ten years in a row <laughs> we're yeah. trying folks we're going to beat queensland one day we're going to beat them but one day but don't forget one nation have got a strong record on uh, for fighting against these gun laws especially back in 96 in queensland i mean where they got a lot of people elected in parliament so they've already got you know a track record with that so in and in terms of their other policies i mean obviously they're not going to be a Everyone's cup of tea. As long as they vote pro-gun, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'll take any pro-gun vote I can get. I, I saw I mean, a, that, That's where I'm at. Yeah, I saw a, um, a video of Pauline Hanson, I think, in 1997, just after the gun laws, saying that, you know, disarming the people and, and that. And I'd like to really see that sort of um, yeah. talk from uh, One Nation again. Yeah. What do you think about One Nation? Do you reckon they're going to be okay for shooters? I mean, I think they're going to obviously oppose any further restrictions, which is, which is good. 
Well, honestly, Jason, if they keep this Steve Dixon in, they certainly won't be good for shooters. Mm. I mean, based on that interview that we saw with, but uh, I think they have listened. With, uh, I mean, Graham then, Park, yeah. Um, and, and if I could just uh, segue into uh, something, let me that just I'll, say one thing in regards yeah. to that. Though they have changed their policy, so on the next show. We're going to go through that changed, revised mm. policy. I think that's important. We should have had it for today's show, but there's so much to talk about. We've had a yeah. lot of different uh, changes and a bit of a gap between the straight shooting podcast and otherwise we'd be here. Always something to talk about, isn't there, guys? Yeah. Like always yeah. change, change. Mars and, gone. and Jace, this is, uh, remember I was talking about Steve Dixon and I thought that he was really bad news for One Nation. I reckon they should get rid of him. Yeah, well. If you listen to our last show, you can listen to that commentary on that last yeah. straight shooting so podcast. You've mm. got here the Courier Mail. Uh, this is the July 17, 2017 online edition. And so, um, it says here, Queensland election, One Nation backs Joanne Miller in Ips- Ipswich seat. Former police minister. Yeah. yeah, so she was the former anti-gun police minister, Labor police minister. And um, basically, Steve Dixon is saying, Queensland One Nation leader Steve Dixon has announced that the party won't run a candidate against Labor's Joanne Miller at the next state election. So I wonder what that's all about. Now, former cabinet minister, Mr. Mrs. Miller, uh, recontesting the seat of Bundamba in Ipswich, is heading the inquiry into black lung disease in the coal miners. So One Nation was yet to field the Bundamba candidacy after previous party candidate Shane Junlin was dumped in January for making several homophobic social media posts. Mr. Dixon said party had not struggled to find a replacement. I had three candidates who wanted to run the seat, Mr. Dixon said. And this, this is what really gets me. This is where he says, I don't want to get rid of any politicians that are looking after the people of Queensland. And I made the point very clear. Joanne Miller has been a fantastic advocate. Mm. Now, she, I, don't no. forget her. She's certainly not she a fantastic advocate. She never used to talk because. to any shooters, but mm. she would refuse to even talk to shooters mm. and be consulted by organisations or anyone in Queensland. Well, well, this is Steve Dixon deciding not to run against the Labor candidate. Yeah. This Steve it's Dixon's got to go. It's bad news. And don't forget, Steve Dixon is an LMP convert from Queensland over to yeah. One Nation. Yeah. That's why I think, when did, when did One Nation get in in Queensland? But he didn't. He converted to One Nation. Yeah. That's right. That's why they hold the seat in Queensland. Yep. Well, this is, this is bad news. I mean, One Nation should be running, should be trying to get every seat. I mean, running against Labor and Liberals. Uh, that they should be trying their hardest to dethrone these people from power. And the fact that he wants to keep this Joanne Miller woman around uh, is worrying to me. But we've uh, we got to understand the facts too, that One Nation in Queensland are going to have the numbers. They're going to get the most seats and at least they're not going to vote against any further restrictions well, for one. You know, They're actually going to well, I've got vote against anyone in anyone in One Nation hierarchy. If you're listening, I've got grave concerns about Steve Dixon. You've got to get rid of this mm. guy. He is bad, bad news. And we, and we did a we did a write up from our last show, so you can listen to that last straight tuning. Can I just ask where does the NFA stand if the seven shot Adler doesn't get recategorized in Queensland if Bob Cutter um, blocks it? Is, yeah, aren't we meant to have consistency across the states? They say that, but I reckon that because so really if, there is no NFA really in. in in real terms, is there? Well, no. no, not really, because... Well, yeah, there is, but, I mean, in saying that, well, I guess it'll be different statewide. I mean, the Ro- Rossi Circuit difference. Judge is not available exactly. here. It's yeah. available in Queensland. You've got the W... Um, WFA1. Yeah. Ruger right. Precision. Yeah. Ruger Precision. The new exactly. rifle, OAF rifleman you can't own. So That's a cool there, name, by the way. There, there's, a lot of, there, <laughs> there's a lot of guns that you can't own in New South Wales that you can in Victoria or Queensland yeah, and yeah. in other states, so... I mean, when it comes to, I guess they're talking about the whole spirit, you know, yeah, of the. That's um, an arbitrary term, you know. <laughs> know. Like, yeah. How long's a I piece know. of string again? Exactly. So, I mean, it, we could very well be faced with a situation where the Adler is perfectly available in Category A in its uh, seven-shot form in Queensland, mm. yeah. but not in other states. At least if you if you grandfather in the seven-shot New South Wales, at least you'll be able to take it to Queensland. 
<laughs> yeah, I think they're going to grandfather it in Queensland as well anyway, most likely, if they get it through. But Can I, can I just bring up another point as well too? They, so they, they knock off the OFA and the WFA one because of the appearance, but then like the Vernie Car and the Speedline, which is an awesome rifle, they, they, they say that, that one's okay. Yeah, I know. And if you put and two, two together... Quick, if you look at the little thumb release on hey, the... Exactly. Don't forget, Sean, because it's got wood on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's where they went wrong with the OFA. They should have brought him with a wood stock. It's got yeah, wood yeah. on it. Anything to do with it's the black scary. stock. No, no. Black stocks are very bad. Did you know that? You know, oh, I'm finding wooden, out. Yeah. It's nostalgia, you know, or nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> anyway. What we need is we need a wooden AR-15. That's what we need. Yeah, wooden with, stock. It is still coming nice, under the appearance laws, though, and you'd get in trouble for it. With nice grade three furniture. Yeah. Guys, hope you enjoyed that show. We did have a lot to talk about, and we are literally sitting here right here with a mountain of screenshots and paperwork that we just did not get through on the show. So we're going to do a majority of some of this stuff on the next show. Me and Mari always say we could do one of these every day with the amount of uh, information that's yeah. changing in the uh, firearms industry. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the show. There's lots coming up in the future. We've got some fishing podcasts coming up. Uh, we might have an LMP person, but I won't mention who that is just yet because that's going to be very interesting. I very, hope that happens. Very important by-elections, guys, coming Kutamundra. up in New South Wales. Okay, so shooters, fishers and farmers will be contesting those elections. Make sure you contact uh, your local branch to see if you want to get involved and help out the shooters and fishers yep. farmers party and uh, hopefully we can get good results there. Absolutely. All right, guys, without further ado, my name is Jason Selms. I'm Mario Vlatko. I'm Justin Luke. And I'm Sean from TSM. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.